Welcome to the Drunk in the Newsies. We're back. Hey. Hi. Yo, this is Newsbird. This is the news. Hi, Newsbird. This is Matt. I'm calling in. First long-time listener, first-time caller. I want to know how Bird can do the news. Well, well Matt, it goes like this. I, I'm Newsbird, Now I do the news. Uh, thanks, Newsbird. You changed my life. Keep Bird on. Next caller. <laughs> <laughs> We've done a social experiment, Internet. We've given Matt Valium and seen how long he can stay coherent. <laughs> by, the, by the way, he's lasted approximately five minutes. That's less a social experiment and more we just roofied Matt. <laughs> it's called a forget-me-not. <clears throat> I'll never forget this. I will. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, uh, so, people, um, unlike most times, we actually have news. Um, we have news all the time. No, we don't. <laughs> we do. We don't. Sometimes, sometimes there's questions to answer. Um, I guess the first, first thing, <laughs> first most important thing, which wasn't originally going to be the news, because we planned to do this a few, like a week ago, um, that's just how professional we are on this show. Um, first thing is guys, Sword of Dystopia Kickstarter is incredibly successful. Thank yes, you, everybody. I love all of you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you, Internet. We'll be sending Nate around to your houses to fillet all of you. Oh, my. One by one. That's gonna one co- by one. It's going to cost a lot. We have some listeners in Australia well, <laughs> and Sweden. Um, so I'll manage somehow. So, uh... I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say anything that's typically associated with those countries because it might come off as a stereotype. Um, so to all of you, I say hello <laughs> from America. God, but yeah, um, god damn, we got like 433 percent funding. Yeah, you guys are seriously amazing. I can say safely, I never expected us to get 100% funding in a day, 200% funding in a week, or 400 goddamn percent funding ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, dude same. Um, when we were talking about uh, when we were talking about you know what to set the uh, you know the budget for this, um, and I was just like, well, we're just gonna hire we're just gonna hire an artist or two, hire an editor or two, and then just do an online print. There's an online, you know, online, uh, you know, on, online run, and then print on demand. Nothing, nothing that requires too much, and you could pay, you, you could, you could, you could, you could budget out that five hundred dollars fairly easily. And then as we kept getting more and more, it was just like, okay, well, we can do more and more. <laughs> and we were just really surprised and overwhelmed by like, because because again, we thought you know five hundred dollars was a good price to hire artists, to hire editors, and to do you know to publish it. And all things considered, yeah, $500 would have been enough. But, again... But, oh my god, the things we can do now. The things we can do now is... We can basically make this... Because, we, we, I mean, the, originally we were just going to have... We were just going to have some art speckled out here and there... You know, a nice, you know, a, a nice setup. So it looks, so, so, so the book, you know, looks professional and everything, but it wasn't really going to have what it's obviously going to have now. So, so what you're saying, Nate, is five hundred dollars was enough to look professional. Now we have enough to be professional. <laughs> yes, essentially. Uh, essentially, yes. Um, the same is true for most professions. Yeah. Perhaps um, the same could be said of all professions. Because now, now what we can basically Especially do is, you know, with this, we can pretty much hire another artist 
pay the current artists more. Consequently, <laughs> being able to just pay the current artists. Be, consequently, be, consequently, you know, pay them, pay them for more work. Basically, um, pay them for more, more work, more detailed work. Um, we can editors and and, and like yeah, ed- editors and layout. You know, Sam here. Um, Hi. You know, pay for more work. Pay pay for more and more detailed work there. Um, you know, all all together, we can just really get a very very detailed professional product um, that, for all its purposes, is probably just going to look absolutely beautiful. And I'm really excited for this. Uh, and I'm getting beeped like crazy here because um, <laughs> you don't yeah. have the chat open. Yeah, totally. Um, so, uh, so yeah. Thank you, everybody. Uh, this is going to be. I'm. I'm hoping it's going to be uh, a, a good book. Um, what Nate's trying to say here is that we're going to create a book, thanks to you guys, that is going to just royally knock all your socks off. If you were wearing socks, they're going to be <laughs> gone. Just gone. You need it. Yeah, you're going to need. You'll have to put socks back on after you open this book. <laughs> it will be that awesome. It'll totally be awesome. Thank you, yeah. listeners. Oh, yeah. Man. Thank um, you, everybody. Also, uh, your socks. And also, I'm just, also, Nate might be crying a little bit right now. Maybe a little. Um, I, 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 I can say as much. I now, I, I now have, uh, I now have plans for uh, great deals of of celebrations, including. A, a, a relaxed moment with a bottle of bourbon and a cigar. <laughs> Only if I'm there with you, buddy. Well, you, you'll certainly be there, Sam. Um, yeah. And I guess also to follow this up, um, we uh, let's see. Uh, the preview APs have been sent out to all contributors. The other preview APs have been sent out to the second tier AP contributors. Um, let's see. All the text RPs have been sent out. Uh, which should be interesting to everybody who didn't, who doesn't know what our podcast is, and just because <laughs> they're interested yeah. in it. Um, if you did, well, hopefully they listen now. And uh, the list of words Charlie's not allowed to say. Um, Manda's doing something special with that, um, so it's going to be sent out when she's done doing that. Yeah. Each of the characters are going to be drawn as a woman. <laughs> And by characters, I mean letters. Each individual letter will be a naked woman. You're gonna use the. Are you gonna use the naked chicks font? No, I'm not. <laughs> I know you, of course, mean yes, 100 percent, yes. Okay. I'm just gonna draw boobs on all the letters, <laughs> which is actually Good that enough. is the word that is not on the list. It's because Charlie never says it. Um, he, he, he doesn't have the tact to. He always, he, he, he's, he's either he's either gonna go he's, he's either gonna go all the way or just not. All right, um, and so we are going. Let's see. Um, also, relating to Sword Dystopia, uh, there was a session we posted um, a week or two back, depending on wherever this gets placed. I'm hoping to get it placed somewhere near the end of this week. Um, uh, session ep- session four of Justice for All called Passing the Torch. We posted that first. It was about seven minutes long. That's because I uploaded it to the FTP and didn't notice the connection got interrupted. Um, I then proceeded to spend like eight hours trying to uh i i I then proceeded to re-upload it re-upload the entire file um and did some stuff on powerpress and wondered why it wasn't working and then i proceeded to rename the file i uploaded um asked powerpress to look for the rename file and now everything works hunky-dory um so if you got the seven minute version you can clear that out update itunes you'll get the full monty christo sandwich um 
it'll be toasted this time. It won't just be peanut butter and jelly. You'll actually have it fried. There'll be there'll be some powdered sugar on top, a little a little cup of preserves on the side. Oh Matt, God, Matt, I haven't have eaten dinner yet. yet. Oh, I, I have, yeah. I know. I had. Whole, I'm no, I'm hungry. I had. I had Hawaiian chicken. Nice. I had. Thanks, a, I had Hawaiian chicken for dinner. It was delicious. Listeners, pause. Pause the podcast right now and go get some food. You deserve it. Um, <laughs> I'm now eating. Also related related to um, stuff being sent out for sort of dystopia. We're aiming for uh, March seventh as when the playtest compilation will be sent out to anybody who subscribed to that. Um, it's going to be fairly close to what the end result is going to look like, minus all of the really pretty formatting and all of the really pretty art um, and whatever problems you guys find that we need to fix um, um we're gonna give you a whole big long time to go through that and um read it run it you know things all those lines see, see, yep. see what you like. yeah there's like. gonna be some guidelines i mean we have a whole campaign included in the back you can run that and part or in piecemeal if you feel like it um mainly run it try run it run it off of a run it off of a module run it yourself see how fun it is Make sure things are readable. I think what well, we have uh, the playtest timeline is like just over, just like over a month and a week, something like that. Uh, it's month and a half exactly. Month and a half. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you want, so to get contributor credits, um, just fo- follow the playtesting notes. Uh, send us stuff back, and you know, send us feedback. Make us help us help you. Um, Absolutely. Also help us help us because we really need yeah. a lot of help. Yes, most uh, certainly. All of yeah, pretty much anything you guys send in, we'll take a look at. If you know we think it's a valid uh, part, it'll be tweaked, and we can we can make this whole thing work. Now, now, listeners, don't get don't get them wrong. We know what we're doing. <laughs> God damn it! Oh. Um, what 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 just happened? Um. Also, that just reminds me. Of General goes to war with the army he's got. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, we've got that going on. There's the the book. <laughs> we've got that whole thing going on. The battle yeah. mess. Just yeah. the 200 pages of content I need to read about this. <laughs> you remember how there used to be a podcast here? Now we're just <laughs> publishing things. Pretty much. Uh, no, we have. It's just we, an we've got such, to have Sam We've got so much backlog. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> Speaking, of, we got so much backlog, we can do whatever for a while. <laughs> speaking of so much backlog, um, Justice for All, uh, it's got. There's not a lot left of it. Um, it's it's what like halfway through? We're over half. Yeah, it's, half, it's, it's halfway through, but there's also some uh, Lejeune stuff that get po- that, Lejeune, uh, that Yeah, there's Lejeune stuff. The guy, the guide end games that uh, lead into it. Um, the very very mm-hmm. Goonies side stories, which are wonderful and full of mezic. Because there's, I mean, there's, there's a, there's, a, there's, 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 there's a thing where you know Lejeune's and Justice for All kind of are two campaigns going or two, two sets of games that are that are happening simultaneously and then come together at a certain point and you know yeah they they nicely dovetail together at the very end yeah and yeah no yeah, def- definitely we bring back all everybody comes back in the end it is everything is wonderful oh yeah i love <laughs> oh. all of you i'm still editing up actually like the the finale of that um is also that, that's session seven right uh gonna... yes sorry yes. session session six is actually up now session I, well i just write finale um 
I'm doing. It's not up. It's not. It's no. sitting in the queue. We can see it. We can listen to it. You guys can't. Yeah. Oh, surprise, surprise! I plan ahead. Uh, look, at, <laughs> look at me, Mr. Fancy look. Pants, using the scheduling button. Um, We're looking at you, Mr. Payton. <laughs> we have on later in the episode. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, and that is a that is a thing that we put on the we put on the twitters a long time ago. Um, not that long ago. Weekend, week and a half ago. That's pretty long. Uh, consider it might have been not yeah. so long had we actually recorded the rest of this. Uh, surprise, surprise! Anyway, we don't record the yeah. single shot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we have the magic of editing. Yep. Um, we, no, we uh, sat down. We are the most professional podcasters. Clearly, that's much. what Ross. Yeah, Payton no, we sat down. Well. We sat down with Ross Payton, and it was awesome. He had a lot of cool things to talk about, and I grill him and Nate on why they're both horrible game designers. Also, also, no. a, also a wonderful, also another wonderful Kickstarter that you should support, and I will find if it's still going. Um, oh, and and and, and also wherein wherein I admit that I have no idea what I'm doing. Yep. So that you get that confirmed for you. Um, yeah. So let's see. I'm trying to think about other news. Um, also, I guess in relation to the rewards, um, people who check out the Persona APs, you notice that it's not done. That's because, like the book, I am putting a lot of production values into it. Um, as stated, it has a lot of it has a lot of uh, royalty-free music from uh, Andrew Wong and Kevin McLeod. Um, and music and editing, especially in games that are like you know four to six hours long, takes a long time. It's I'm hoping to get it done by the end of March. That's what I wrote in because that's what I wrote in the Kickstarter. If I don't, I'm sorry. There's a lot of work. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, half that campaign, but also half that campaign's up though, and I mean the yeah. that, that campaign um, time wise is longer than the Ship of Fools. <laughs> it it was it was weird in that it uh, it continuously uh, the time the time the time of each session went up it, it, uh, each time. It went up kind of about, really. We went every session gets about two hours longer. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Until we played a game so long that I don't ever want to play a game that long again. I don't regret it. It was just a really long game. <laughs> it's not if going to be was... that. You're not going to listen to a game that long because I'm not posting a game that long to the site. That is going to be the first thing we split into parts. <laughs> yeah, that was that was that, that was a ten hour game that's going to be split into like two four and a half hour parts. <laughs> uh, yeah, truncated sounds removed about two hours of dead air somehow. Yeah, we're really yeah. It's it's kind of disturbing what ha- what truncated sounds does to things sometimes. Um, it was it was it was it was it was a crazy game to crazy game the crazy crazy finale to run because the, I just distinctly remember going guys we can we've been going for like six hours we can stop and continue. no no we're, <laughs> we're not gonna stop all right let me get some coffee I want to do this <laughs> let me get some coffee and I'll be awake to to, to finish this up <laughs> um, let's um, see and yeah oh in other news we're gonna we're finishing up playtesting all the games for you guys that we're going to run um yeah all the contributor games all the contributor games so we should hopefully get those play tested by next week or the week after and then sometime after the play test goes out we'll, we'll start, start scheduling. scheduling those games they're probably going to be played saturday afternoons because we have people in the united states and we have people in australia and sweden and that's at least seven hours difference in time yeah, yeah. we need to find a time that all those people are awake Contributors who've signed up for games, if you want to email us with your availability, that would be awesome. Actually, 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 you know what? You know what? I can do this more efficiently. I'll just send out. A, I'll send out a survey on Kickstarter. Say, there we go. What times are you available? Probably going to play this on. Look Saturday. at that internet progress. Just being right made. 
progress right being made as we speak. Progress in progress being recorded. My yeah, goodness. that's true. Yeah, no, that's kind of progress. It's, it's a it's a beautiful <laughs> it's a beautiful thing, and you are beautiful people. Everything. I spent all day playing old world blues and trying not to go into the science. American progress. Technology. <laughs> You're scaring me, Sam. The world of tomorrow. Everyone's everyone's <laughs> scaring me now. Um. Uh, doop a doop a doop. Uh, so what else do we have in the news? Um, um, one thing I guess that would be a good thing to note is try not listeners. We didn't put up much spoilery stuff. I know the one episode of Frida's is pretty much kind of Frida's guiding, but try not to, try not to spoil anything for anybody else. That would be awesome. There's really, you no, know? there's really nothing really. To, I don't think there's anything to spoil. Um, what about still. that one part when that one character dies? <gasps> Manda. <laughs> wow, really, Manda? You're just gonna no characters die. It's okay. Often. He gets better. Ah, all right, all right. <laughs> that already happened. You're just gonna, you're just gonna kind of drop that bomb, aren't you? You're just gonna, um, just gonna do that. Wait, no. And we then that one girl that gets bomb. pregnant. Yeah, but God, then she gets better. That thing. <laughs> then she gets better. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> all right, I'm dead. This thing. <laughs> I don't know if I'm comfortable with this course conversation anymore. News done. News burnt out. Yeah. Um, oh. It is Next caller. Something, something I was going to add, actually, um, as far as news goes, and uh, this is related to sort of dystopia. Um, those, those of you who, uh, who who didn't order a, uh, a hand-bound book, um, slash those of you who have ordered a hand-bound book but would like a, a, a more... Well, like a second copy for some reason or other. Um, well, we, re- we recommend getting seven copies just in case you lose six. <laughs> I, sh- sure, why not? Um, Men and I have found uh, places where we can actually do um, print on demand. Cool. Uh, where we can actually do a, not necessarily hand binding, because hand binding is something that we're doing for, you know, contributors who've contributors who, who've put, who, who've contrib- contributed enough to the project. Um, hand binding is, again, more... Half half making a book, half making art. Um, all making love. Uh, yep. So, so yeah. There, the the, uh, fuck the, the, the the hand binding is different, but uh, as far as the the print on demand stuff, um, we we actually are looking into places to to, to do that. Um, we're not really going to print. We're not, we're not really going to make a big line of. We're not, we're not, uh, print a whole line of books. We're just going to. I mean, if we're able to you know, secure this and whatnot, we'll we'll. we'll Say say someone wants to buy a hard copy of sort of dystopia. It's forty dollars. Okay, you put down forty dollars. We part of that is going to the print on demand. Sure. Uh, that's all. That's all, that's all. That's all I had there. Just you know, a bit of information on the print on demand stuff. Uh, except for anyone who happens to want a hard copy of of that book. Um, yes. We're totally excited about doing handbound books. <laughs> oh no, I am. What are you talking about? I love making books. <laughs> it's it's something you can just do while doing other things. I will fold all the pages if you sew them. <laughs> sure, I'll sew all the pages. You want to fold them all? I hate the folding part. Uh, oh, okay, like, so um, do we have any other news? Anyways, to, do we have any other news no. to cover? Let's. We have we've exhausted news content. Let's move on to contributor. Not contributor. Comments. Comments. Yeah. Comments. Yes. Contributor comments. Yeah. All these terms. I got uh, I got nothing. Nothing. Okay. Right. Um, let's see. Let's see. Clays, we, we already covered your stuff from the last. Yeah, we covered the, we cover it in the future, in the past. Yeah. 
Uh, so we have a thing from our good friend Sam. Uh, Sam, why do you keep commenting on our show? I'm asking you personally. Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so let's see. Why are you people playing grad students? I do Delta Green or 1920s. Not normal people stuff. Well, too bad. Well, too bad. You can, you know, you can you can sign up for my Call of Cthulhu session and see why you're playing grad students. And oh my god, is it a good reason? It's a uh, I I uh I listened in, I, I listened into the playtest of that of that of that game. It was it was awesome. It was pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. Let's see. So I'll send you something shaped like bowling balls and fertilizer in a box. What? Okay. Um, so I think he actually gave. I think he actually elected to give us money, um, which we prefer to um, barter. Uh, so yeah, he let's says see. That in the next comment. Um, so let's see. Actually, does he have? You no, know, he doesn't. Um, does he have questions? No, no real questions. I questions. He... His second. His second post has a question. Um, get to make characters for this Call of Cthulhu session. I am providing pre-gens for the Call of Cthulhu session. Yeah, only we... because um, there's it, it's easier to simply get into the game that way. Um, it gives you guys a lot more structure for starting out in this just scenario that kind of requires some skills that you wouldn't ever really pick and... as a Call of Cthulhu character. And also, I want to keep down on you know. Running around with deagles and you know the no one's gonna do, no one's going to do that. That's well, a here's lie. the question, that's not, that's, Sam. That's... Are you going to offer like a wide variety of characters to choose from, or are you just going to assign characters? Will oh, two people try to fight over the same character? What are you going I'm to do? Going to absolutely, he's going to absolutely assign a wide variety of characters to people. Oh um, yeah, we there the wide variety of characters. These are going to be characters. They're they're pregens in the fact that I have made them beforehand. That is it. They are characters that are actual characters. I am. They're going to have backstories and they're going to have you know just beautiful beautiful imagery associated with them. I may write poems. Uh, I'm not even yeah, sure. and the main the main reason <laughs> the main reason that Sam's doing this is because in the in the playtest we made our own characters and. Um, while we didn't run into anything, uh, while we didn't run into anything uh, like like the double deagles thing that Sam keeps describing, although I did I did pitch to him that my character uh, likes to collect antique maxims for some reason. Uh, <laughs> I quickly vetoed that and then I, no that no yeah it's, he collects antique maxims he keeps them fully loaded at all times <laughs> <laughs> in his college dorm room. Um, no uh, no uh, but the the thing is like the, yeah the, the thing the thing is this is a very it's a very specific scenario and it's really just easier to um there will be niche protection there will be things that everybody can do um there weren't oh, yeah. those there weren't those things when we were doing it in the playtest um also this is you know probably because i'm not sure that that playtest will ever be posted because it kind of had technical problems and was a little short and uh charlie fires a flare gun at one point, no, 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 no. The best, no. The best part about it is there's the disturbance in the camp. Yeah, a guy, right. a guy comes and disturbs the camp. Charlie's character says, "I wake up and grab the flare gun." Yeah, <laughs> that was that was pretty fun. It was. Uh, the, I just, the, I just the, like, I just the and the and I know he's he's simplifying it. The way I just like to picture it is his character was sleeping with the flare gun next to them. They hear the slightest disturbance in the camp. Oh my god, what do I got set on fire? I mean, granted there were there were parts in that um earlier where he, where 
really that guy like that little man was obsessed with fire um though uh, that being said while i'm thinking about it um for those of you who's uh who's who, who wants to play in the little fears game i'm running um i'm actually not getting pre-generated characters instead what i'm what 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 i kind of want is uh everyone to make their characters before the game and send me their send me the character sheets yeah and uh, well, like a week before i run like at least a week before i run it well send that, way, it. that way i can sort of tailor it to, to them because i uh, little little fears is um little little fears is uh is uh, it's it, it's a game that really wants it to that really wants your your scenario to be tailored to the characters or just somehow dealing with them because because of there's, there's a certain questionnaire that exists partly for the GM to look at it and go, okay, this is what I can do with your character. Yeah, well, yeah, uh, just, yeah. How many ways can I break this? Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh, so yeah. as far as far as that goes, when I run Little Fears, uh, I'm, I'm going to, for, for anyone that, that is, that is uh, getting into that, um, please, uh, uh you know, read read uh, Little Fears Nightmare Edition, and um, you know, make up a character for me that that's set in the that happens to live at Mrs. Frieda's halfway home. Um, she uh, he or she would be between the ages of six and twelve. Could really come from any background. Uh, yeah, I mean, anything well, that's just too out there. I, I if there's anything too out there, you know, when you email me or whatnot, the uh, the, the the character sheet. I'll well, if really, there's any really the, that thing, email, I'll, I'll let you know. Uh, really, probably the better way to do this is I'm going to be sending out a survey of what games, what times people are going to be available on Kickstarter. Like I said earlier, um, mm-hmm. I will also, you know, send out a survey saying what games you want to play in. From there, I will ask you. Um, from there, I will ask you, you know, what character you've made. I will send those on to Nate, etc. Um, and I'm probably, I'm not going to have pre-gens in the Monster and Childish Things game. I'm going to run. Um, just because it's monster and the childish things, if you don't, if you use pregens, it's uh, I I've I've learned I've learned to handle the most broken monsters, so I will take all comers. Um, the same the same kind of applies to, to to little fears. It's really difficult to it's really difficult to completely utterly annihilate that game. I mean, hey, it's really easy. But, it's really really easy to annihilate monsters. I'm just good at rolling with it. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, as far as Little Fears goes, like, okay, what are you going to... So, so, you, so you go at mid-max. Okay, then what happens? This character rolls 9 to 11 dice for this one particular thing. But it is Little Fears, and it only has five stats. Also, so uh... Also, all five of these stats are called for constantly. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, and... Mid-max and, character really isn't that good. And also, you... Yeah, obviously, if you don't, guys don't have books... Um, yeah. Um, obtain, obtain a way to make a character. Um, uh, if you don't have a book, get one. It's not... It's not... It's not expensive, and people and, and publishers will like you. Um, yeah, uh, I mean the Little Fears Nightmare Edition is only twelve bucks right now on um, on uh, Draft Through RPG. Uh, at, least, at least it was last time I checked. Um, the uh, Monster of the Childish Things also somewhere between ten and twenty dollars. Uh, I mean uh, on Arc Dream Publishing. Um, yeah, it's the pocket editions. Support pocket editions, ten bucks on Drive Through RPG. Um, support, support the yeah, support publishers. They are wonderful, beautiful people. Um, it also it, all, it, all, it also guarantees that more of those games will be made. <laughs> yep. 
when when they sell, the author tends to write more. Yep. Uh, so, um, yeah. Uh, I think that answers that question. Um, that answers more than that question, in fact. Sorry, sorry to jump in there with that one. Um, um, yeah, no. In case, it's, was, in case it was out of place, I just, it just came to mind. I was like, oh, I should. You know what? Yeah, it's fine. These, this, that's how these play out. Um, so we have. Let's see. It looks like our next question is from Luffy. Then uh, Luffy three sixteen, uh, which is actually a question directed to me in a rare turn of events. Um, so in the old sessions of Road Trip and the sunny Sucrose Park, Sunnyvale days, the kids encounter a bed and breakfast that had a shady man who was seemingly blown to shit by the MIB. The kids took it at face value and left it alone, but I found some older recordings. They seemed to run into the same guy. What's the deal with that guy? Is he a sword story that PCs didn't pursue or was brushed aside? Was it a reference thing I didn't recognize? Um... Let's see. So, what's the deal with that guy? Um, this was a very early scenario I wrote back when I was not good at writing things. Um, and basically, the whole the whole of uh, Sandy's, which is which was the name of the bed and breakfast, um, was that it was designed to kind of be a primer to the a primer to the MIB if the players uh, didn't already know about it. Um, the whole thing about that guy was that that was also me playing around with the weird kid rules and. This guy had like, I'm trying to remember his name now. It was like Dave Walken or something. He was a, an experimenter who the government was trying to find a way to weaponize people a la Bioshock, I think. Um, and they found a way to make ducks shoot lightning. And this guy decided he wanted to experiment on himself um, and the problem they didn't realize is that he, he in, in attempting to extract the lightning part, he extracted the duck part as well. Um, there's a part in there where I describe that he wears a long he wears a long coat and has one of his arms specifically covered. That's because this arm is slowly uh, this arm is slowly becoming covered in feathers and becoming a becoming kind of he's turning into a duck. Um, now the whole thing. With that guy, so there's a side story. And the thing was, like, you could deal with him, you could not deal with him. The thing is, the MIB is coming after him because they want him for obvious reasons. Um, if the kids don't, if the kids don't opt to help him, which why would they? This was a poorly set up scenario. <laughs> um, why would they help this guy? He's a random stranger, and there are some government guys looking for him. Every time they sell them out. Um, in fact, I ran. I mean, if it's any consolation, I, re- I totally remember that guy, and I was like, "Well, I wonder what his deal is." And I was kind of wondering if he was going to show up later, but he never did, so I never asked about it. So I remember, I remember listening to that part and hearing that guy. And at the time, I just thought that was something that was built into Road Trip. Nope. Um, but yeah, that, that makes more sense hearing about it. So yeah, no, and there, and there's a lot of there's a lot of investigative stuff um, that can happen. I was really bad at info dumps back then and stuff like that. Um, there was one group, good, good, there was decently good premise. Exploding lightning ducks is always awesome. Yeah, and so the thing is, if they don't opt to help the guy, if they sell him out, um, the MIB goes in and they fight the guy and they hit the kids with a thing that makes them forget everything. Um, which they only re- vaguely recall something about lightning, and then they see them. They see the MIB agents walk out carrying a duck. And the story, the, the story there is that the guy used his power so much that he went full duck. Um, you never go full duck. You never go full duck. So one of the things that would one of the things that would happen is had they helped the guy and stopped the MIB, he would obviously um, be continuing to change into a duck. 
and they find out, holy crap, that guy's turning into a duck. That's weird. Um, things I could have written about that to make it different, I realize now, is make make it very apparent that there is something interesting about that guy and that he's not just a random creepy dude. Um, that was... So it was brushed aside. Um, it is many references to many things. Um, the original thing that I based that on, which is why it's called Sandy's, um, was the... That was a reference to the Invisible Man, um, because the Invisible Man. I wanted to, I wanted to have a guy who was covered in bandages for some reason to hide something. And the thing, and the Invisible Man stays at a stays at a small house owned by somebody named Sandy. Um, then I brought in then I brought in Bioshock because Bioshock's awesome. And when I was finalizing writing it, I remember I was watching this movie from like the late. 40s i think called everything's ducky wherein a scientist with a lot of defense secrets gets his mind transferred into the body of a duck well you actually put a lot of thought into this i feel kind of bad for not exploring that now it's fine it's was a thing i wrote back when i (laughs) you back it was a it was a thing i wrote back when i was unemployed um i wrote it on a car trip because i had a lot of time and wrote the duck thing in last um, B, it was not a very well put together scenario. <laughs> Matt, if it's any consolation, if I'd been playing during that game, I would have plot punched so I, hard at I, that. I, I, I know, yeah. You would have punched <laughs> the plot out. Um, I would have punched the plot out and then probably just killed Charlie Chaplin. I actually do recall that. And I, I, I recall attempting to punch the plot, but then it was like, all right, go to the plot. The plot tells me to go away. Daniel's a really nice guy. All right, he goes away. Yeah, no, that like I, like I said, it was it's a very poorly it's a very poorly designed. And I, I wrote it very badly, um, and I realized much later that I wrote it very badly. That was written very much in the style of Ed's Diner, um, Ed's Diner, where you make a height eight notice check to notice that the to, to notice that Ed is talking to his waitstaff. Um, so that's a that's a that was a thing of me learning the system. And learning to write modules, or not modules, but learning to write scenarios. At the time, I was not very good at the game, so I had had a very elaborately constructed scenario that nobody had reason to go and investigate. I personally am thankful for it, though. Um, This is going to sound completely selfish. But uh, you know, you you kind of going through a learning curve with monsters and childish things. I, when I when I got into running Monsters of Childish things, I had already learned from your mistakes because you made them before that, and I paid attention. <laughs> what I was going to say, which is a little nicer, was, Matt, it's okay that you are going through a learning curve because as was I, and it was like we were learning together. Well, yeah, and I mean... Matt, thank you for throwing yourself on the rest of us. I didn't necessarily mean that to sound as mean as it did. <laughs> That was not at all to, to sound to, to sound uh, to sound um, as yeah wasn't supposed to sound that wasn't supposed to sound mean it was it was just mostly that uh, it was like it was, it was, you know what I mean breaking news Nate's got a big dick on you Matt <laughs> wow well I got a big dick for Nate um, oh my who's <laughs> burning keep going it's, just, it's falling apart okay so um so yeah that was um the thing. Uh, and I mean, really, I oh. if I listen to any of those old road trip sessions, it's like if it's like if any artist opened their portfolio from a year ago and like looked at it, 
I oh. there was oh, yeah. there I, I there's there is a game um, that I talk about in the RPPR session we were, we were on. Uh, there's a module by Shane Ivy called Cult Busters that he sent out to be playtested like two years ago um, or like a year and a half ago at this point. I, I can't remember how long ago it was because I was unemployed. So time just long, blurs long together. Enough, long enough that we can't remember how long ago it was. And I playtested that twice and I have two. So I have two recordings of it and I asked Shane Ivy. Um, if I could pub- if I could post this after you publish it, he said yes, and he's never published it. <laughs> there is art for it. If you go to uh, Rob Mansberger is the uh, is the ch- chief illustrator for Arc Dream Publishing, and if you go to his DeviantArt, you will find art for the Cult Busters module. It is like one of twelve things on his DeviantArt. Um, Matt, Matt, are you suggesting that your recordings were so bad that he just did not publish the book? <laughs> he did, I never sent him my. <laughs> I, I never. I never sent him my recordings. I sent him the. I sent him the notes from the playtest. Um, and there, but no, like the thing is, the thing is, I was editing. I started editing that like months later because Shane Ivy said, "Hey." this might go into publication soon. So I'm like, okay, I'll edit it up and get it ready to post. And I started editing it. Like, I don't want to post this ever. <laughs> it's got some good parts, but God, I am awful at game mastery. Um, Oh, oh, that's bad. I oh, don't. Well, I. I don't. Well, I don't ever want anybody. You are not awful in any way anymore. Is yeah. what I will say. You're, yeah, you're pretty much my favorite GM at this point. Oh well, I mean, uh, oh, I mean, you and, and listening to the old road trip sessions, I like got through those as fast as I could because I'm just like, wow, I was like this at some point. <laughs> I feel like I need to take a shower. <laughs> God, it's okay. Uh, I haven't mine. listened to like many of the road trip games either because it was literally my first time doing role plays like this. I'm like, man, no, just no. As 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 somebody who wasn't involved with the podcast when those were being done, they're they're not bad at all. Like, yeah, no, you kept you kept commenting on them on the when they were on the community site. Yeah, because you guys were doing road trip and you guys were fucking hilarious and they were great games. I had I had tiny little role playing crushes on on everybody. Yes, I, I, recall, I recall you were our only commenter for the longest time, and I and then somehow you became part of the podcast. I can't even remember now how how that happened. Even, nor nor can I. Even the you asked me to play like, Fiasco. Do I roll? The rest is right. I, because we played a game together on RPPR, and I added yep. I added everybody who was in that game to my contact list. And periodically, if we didn't have enough players or something, I would go through and ask everybody. Which is why there's yep. one game by Sage Natel where he plays Pokemon with us. It's true. Yeah, that's the uh, only game from that's the only game where Mike Rinaldi's on this podcast. Um, uh, though uh, it was gonna, I was going to say uh, the road trip game, like the first road trip games, were also my first time, my my my, my foray into into uh, you know tabletop RPGs that are done over voice. <laughs> I'd only done stuff over text before. Yep. Um, so Mand and I are pretty much just as experienced there. Also, that yeah. also uh, just talking. <laughs> Talking about incredibly horrible, silly games. Um, we found our April Fools' game. Oh, <laughs> oh God! We found our. We, I I meant to. I forgot. We found our April it's, Fools' game. It is a thing of beauty. It's complete bullshit. It's complete bullshit, and also all the rules for it are on the wiki. Yep. Have have fun. It was. I'm just. It's just. I'm just. I'm just titling the session "Danger Guy." 
it was um it was a it was a tremendously fun game to both play and run and uh or to, to run and listen to i mean i i had so much fun running that game but it's it's just so incredibly silly it ended up working pretty well for a game you made in an hour. Yeah, yeah, no, no. It, Some, it, somehow, to, I, somehow those end up working. I need to. I need still need to run Thermite and Thylacines one of these days. Yeah, uh, that game needs more narrative control elements, so I don't need to write plot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no. Uh, there was. Um, I want to say. Uh, we we had to, we had like in the middle of it we had to throw out a particular rule because oh because yeah of because some yeah. reason because. This is just something that was just like ah, this is actually getting kind of bad. Uh, this this particular rule is really lackluster. Let's just throw it out in the fly. And so we threw out a particular rule in the middle of in the middle of the game, but it really didn't change much. <laughs> yeah, no, the game was, never stopped being nearly as fun or nearly as ridiculous. It was incredible. Also, Nate forgets the names of a whole bunch of things because I changed them to be more MSPA. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. But by which I mean, I, they all used to start with different letters, and I changed them all to words to start with A. Yeah. Um, oh goodness. Um, I had I had a uh, had problems remembering all those. I ended up getting them towards the end. In fact, I, I recall I sent Nate a list of the names for skills. He's like, Oh yeah, I'll add that in there. It's a, we're about to play the game. Like, it's copy document. Find replace everything. <laughs> Here's the new rules. <laughs> I was like, Matt, did you, just, did you just take the game I wrote and did you just add things to it and send it to me and said, hey, here's the game you wrote here. Uh, now I made it better. Is that, is that what you just did? I, I did. I did. I made uh, a thing of beauty. All right, let's get back on topic. Um, okay, we have, yeah, there's really just... We skipped over David's comments. David's got questions for us. Does David have questions for us? Oh, yeah, he does. On the Newsies, he's got... Um, Talked about your favorite characters you played. Now, what about the ones that didn't work out so well? Um, ever been the perpetrator or a victim of any variation of a Henderson? And if any horrifying and or hilarious that guy stories? Okay. Um, let's see. Characters characters that didn't work out so well. Um, characters that I was initially excited about. Uh, there are there are a couple. Um, let's see. I'm, I'll go on a limb and say Molly was one of them for me. Really? Um. Yeah, in that I, I I had this idea for Molly and really didn't really have any context in what it actually ended up being, and so I kind of just played it off for fun. My idea for Molly really is what Jenna ended up being. Mm, okay. Hmm. Jenna, who's a character that you guys will see in a while when we start posting those. Eventually. Uh, Jenna yeah. Middleton is Sam's character in our Little Fears campaign. Um and let's see uh characters characters didn't work out so well for me um let's see uh there's a game that's probably gonna be posted soon uh it's a sort of dystopia game called big trouble in little Cezog. uh i have a character <laughs> name i have a yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing and i that's another that's a uh investigation in I can't even remember all the stuff, but it's run by Charlie, um, and I play, and my character was a Vontai immigrant named Bruce Trudeau, uh, who always uh, talks with a uh, sort of uh, French accent, and uh, <laughs> I I just kept talking like that the entire game. And you I... know what I just remembered hmm? as character-wise? What? Um, 
the character I played in the the one sort of dystopia early playtest where we were defending a castle where I was this sailor <laughs> who just talked about oh, God. having... Can I not be reminded of those early playtests? Like, can that just be a thing? Can I just uh, like forget that? No, you exist? can't. They're part of the nope. they're part of the contributor rewards. <laughs> Where Sam talks I, like a pirate. I talk like a pirate and talk about making love to sea creatures. Or I don't know. Your guy had a cutlass. <laughs> I, I just he had a cutlass and he fired cannons. Like that was my character idea right there. There's just it's just it. It's, you see, I had. Just so you know, listeners, I had qualms with not giving those giving those APs away. I wanted them to be deleted. He was like, "No, we should really get these out." And I was like, "No, I wouldn't forget this you ever said, happened." You, you never said anything like that. We totally had that conversation. You, you said like, you said you you said you said I'm not I I I you said I did like can can we not post those because they're not great games? That's what you that's what you asked of me. Loophole. <laughs> and I asked, "Can I give?" And I asked, "Can I give him away?" And you said, "Sure." I, I I said, "Uh." Look, they're look, they're not. Sure. We've posted plenty of games that show it's a great system. <laughs> These are games. Yeah, I, I, These are games I, that are silly. Yeah, I, I I know it's. Um, I really just wanted to post. I really just I wanted to at least post the ambush at SNV just because. Of Borok or whatever his name was. <laughs> it's been so long since I've edited those. Yeah. Um, uh, but just that that, that that character, the bear hunter, shaves himself of fire. That was so. <laughs> god. Uh, <laughs> oh god. And then Zach Zach Snake Oil. <laughs> it was it was it was a weird series of games. They they weren't. Uh, I, I guess the, the, the problem that I have with them the most... I guess there's two problems that I have with them the most. Um, the first one was that uh, they weren't the best games I've ever run. Um, except without, without, a, without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, and the second one was that uh, they used a pretty much completely different setting. Yeah, uh, they were still the YouTube. They, 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 still they the referred YouTube. to something that does, that, that does not exist in the, uh, in the game. Um, they they refer to a uh, they they refer to a particular country or they, they those games occur in a particular country that does not exist in the sort of dystopia game. They also occur uh, like a hundred years before the cataclysm, right? Yeah, they they occur like they occur like uh, yeah they they occurred some not hundred years like some decades before before the actual cataclysm. So they they they're you know I mean all things considered those games. If if you're going to assume that they're that, that that they are that they are in fact canon, uh, they they canonically occurred 170 years or so prior to the actual game, <laughs> the, actual, the actual book. Well, uh, just 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 to say they're canon to the universe, they occurred before the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, there is no historical mention of any of these things. Um, there, yeah. That explains why I was so lost in some of those games. Yeah, there's there's no historical mention of those things. Also, the other thing is that the Con- the, the country that's actually mentioned there can't really be published because that's not material that I have that I own the copyright to. Yeah. Um, Someone else owns the copyright to that. Someone who really doesn't like me very much. You know? Yeah. Fuck him. I'm not gonna publish this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna publish. We'll just. Stuff, we'll but... just not get too far into that. How about? Um, yeah. So. Um, uh, so other characters that didn't work out so well. Um, there was. Let's see. 
Um, characters who I... There was a character that didn't work out so well just because it took me a long time to find... Two, two characters took me way too long to find my legs for the character. Um, and I can't remember either of their names because they weren't good characters. Um, but one, of them, one of them was the guy I played in Delta Greenhouse. Um, which is one of the, which reminds, which, which I hit the same thing Alex did in playing fear itself in that you have to have your character concept fully idealized. You have to understand what that character does, their motive, how their motivations fit into things, or just give them a random assortment of skills. I made a character who is going to be like, um, I'm trying to remember. I was making, I made a character who joined Geist to see the world and do his food blog. What I ended up making was a true believer. When I ended up playing with a true believer, I ended up changing all of his skills. I ended up sending May to PM saying, this is a different character than what I signed up for. Can I change all of his skills right now? <laughs> Can I change everything because I never, because I, I never, like, rolled any dice? Um, and it's uh, like... I, I, I recall saying yesterday. Yeah, and he's like, she, yeah, he's like... Whatever. Yeah, you were. Whenever I'm GMing things, I'm usually I'm usually a bro. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, that was the thing. That was that was what happened, and I was I was glad that it happened. Um, and I mean, even when I set that character up, it's like that character had. I think even when I, when I was explaining that character in the beginning, he sounds different than what he is, and that's because he is different than what he is. Um, also, characters that characters didn't work out so well. Um. I don't think it's such a surprise when I mentioned Doug Price. Um, <laughs> Doug Price is a character. Um, fun fact. Fun fact. Doug Price is the kid in the first ever characters I wrote when I was reading Monster and Other Childish Things to get a handle on the system. Doug Price is supposed to be an NPC um, that I wrote in this adventure that sounded kind of cool and was actually really awfully written because it was worse than Ed's Diner and Ed's Diner really wasn't that good. Um, that said, uh, I changed up uh, when I found out that somebody else might be running sessions in Road Trip. Um, I'm like, I have this idea for a monster and I wrote Leadbot and it's like, that monster needs a kid. I, Doug, here he is. There you go. <laughs> and so... Doug Price didn't work out so well in that he's got like this whole kind of there's a lot of stuff to him that just never happened. What ended up happening is he plays a straight man to Leadbot. <laughs> That's what he became. Who is wonderful. Yeah. Leadbot Leadbot is Leadbot's a wonderful, wonderful character, the best thing that ever that I ever stole from a t shirt. Um I love Leadbot so much. If, he loves if, playing Leadbot. If there is an opportunity for me to voice Leadbot, I'm willing to take it. Yeah, I know. Do it now. Here's your opportunity. It's right now. Hmm? What? This is your opportunity. You got one shot. It's your opportunity. Voice right. Leadbot. Hey, everybody. I'm on a podcast. Oh, wait. Uh, did I delete the recording? Oh, it's Leadbot. Guess what? Leadbot. This, this is Bird. Newsbird. Get the fuck out of here. Damn it, Leadbot. <laughs> uh. See you guys. I like how Leadbot slowly turned the cool rat there. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was um, when, I, when I voice him. His voice is a mi- weird mixture of a lead bot and a complete not lead bot, um, cool rat, complete idiot. <laughs> I can't help it. That's what I imagined. I bought all this ice cream with your credit card. Um, so, uh, and also, um, Douglas Price uh, actually shows up in one of the games, the in one of the contributor games, um, which was. Run with Ross Payton, um, which is the Requiem for a Toy Factory, um, where his monster actually shows up with a different character 
Um, and it has a character that shows up in Frida's in the second season. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so and bonus. Break everything. <laughs> in which thing? In everything. Yeah, he's a lot less broken in Frida's. Mostly because I took away his time travel powers, mostly. <laughs> 20 minutes of a game session spent finding a way to get Twinkies out of a gas station. Look, that was awesome! <laughs> Look, bro, you never went to Sheets, alright? You don't understand the glory of mac and cheese bites. I suppose I might as well... What, do we want to talk about that? Do we want to talk about that here? I mean, I'm just. I feel like I, I feel know, like we we brought that up. We I feel that. like we need to make we need to establish context for this now. No, we really don't. Because otherwise, I just need to delete it because it's going to be something that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Um, we can we can establish a small amount of context when uh when um Matt was here last time, uh I ran a um I, I ran a, a game for uh, him Amanda, uh, just a. You know, a Frida's game uh, between um, you know with with Manny and um, a, a particular character, particular um, secondary PC that Matt has in uh, you know Frida season two. Yeah, uh, and, I, and, I, and I, I ran I ran a game like a a, a double like a doubles game for them, uh, and uh, I um uh, you know. No, Matt's, Matt's PC and Matt's secondary PC in uh, Frida season two, his monster has some manner of time travel powers, or some manners of, some manners of powers over space and time. Yeah, he can create um, he can cre- very... create wormholes, affect gravity, bend light, <laughs> all this. He can manipulate the fabric of space time. Yeah, but only only uh, only a small amount. Like he's actually. He actually does have some pretty strong limits and all that. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, they're 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 going on this they're going on this particular trip for this particular thing. And you know, I'm not going to go into the details of that. You guys will find out what what's going on there when it's actually posted. Um, and uh, so they're going on this trip, and the uh, the the, the, the uh, people on the trip they stop off at a gas station to fill up, and the gas station is very much based on sheets. Um, which is a, I don't know, uh, if, 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 if you don't know what Sheets is, Sheets is like if Walmart sold gas. If Walmart and sold snacks. gas, yeah, and had had awesome touch screens that just that, that give you delicious, horrible food. It's one of it's one of the most high tech and largest gas stations I've ever been to. Um, it is it, it is itself practically a uh, um, a a grocery store uh, of snack food. And wonder, um, so <laughs> a grocery store of wonders. Yes, uh, so uh, they, so you know, uh, Manny and this kid, they, they they go there, they're hanging out and all that jazz, um, and this kid, you know, Matt, Matt decides that he's gonna that he's gonna try and, uh, and take some sweets and some candies and and uh, some some snack foods. He's gonna try and he's going he's going to try and steal some using his monster who can manipulate space and time. And we proceeded to spend about 20 minutes of time of him doing crazy space-time shenanigans just to get some extra snacks. <laughs> At some point, I'm sitting there with a drink in my hand and going, this is why I'm an alcoholic. This game 
<laughs> is why I am an alcoholic. I'll <laughs> also point out that some of those powers weren't even used to steal those. Some of those powers were because the kid didn't want to use a cart. Yeah. Why yeah, use a cart true. when you can uh, push a bunch of Twinkies into a wormhole? <laughs> yeah, yeah, things things like that. And I kept I I, I kept calling for rolls and such and just just to see if funny things happen and he just kept rolling well. So there's just there's just points in time when it's probably it's probably audible in the recording or I'm just sitting there at the table and then my head just slowly proceeds to hit the table. <laughs> Is that what that noise was? I was yeah. wondering. <laughs> that was my head hitting the table as as Matt as Matt was as as as, uh, as Matt proceeded to do something that could be perceived as a slip up and could result in hilarity. And I was like, okay, okay, roll me some dice here. And he was just like quad tens or something like that. And I was just like, I, uh, uh, uh. also, listeners, it's probably Thunk. worth noting that I think all of us were drinking during that game. Yeah, yeah, I was, I was most certainly. I was I'm most pretty sure I was yeah, never but... sober when I was at Nate's house. <laughs> you were actually never here. Oh, that explains everything. <laughs> just like how you guys actually killed me, and I'm just dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like we may have gotten a smidge off topic. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Um, Maybe. so let's see. Yeah. So, anybody else have anybody else have characters they didn't like? Well, Amanda, you go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'm trying to think of someone still. I, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to debate the ones that, are, that, that, that I had the most dislike for. Pink, until Matt took him over. When Matt took him over, he was okay. See, my problem is I make characters that I physically as a person cannot play. And I think they're really cool ideas, but I just cannot pull them off. But if I push them off to someone else, it's like, wow, golly, that was such a cool idea. Well, really, all Pink needed was a voice. Um, yeah, and you got it. Yeah, and his voice changes just a little bit every time. Um, That's fine. Until eventually, until eventually, he was the last time I played Pink. Um, I was basically just meditating That's while cool. doing an English. Honestly, while doing I like an, I like where you went with that. Doing an English he accent. Was, I did not like him when I had him, and then when you took him, t- awesome. Yeah, gosh, that was God. That was in the game. I don't even think I have the recording for that game anymore. Uh, that was Camp Arcadia. That was. Uh, Talking about bad. That's fine. We don't have to talk Talking about, about it. bad games. That's fine. What about you, Sam? Samuel. I said mine already. I, I said yeah, well, I, was... I guess that and Ernest the the bartender. <laughs> Admittedly, that wasn't even a, that wasn't that was a that was a pre-jet. Actually, yeah, no, I fully stand by everything that Ernest the bartender did. I really I, wish I, that, I, that that was a completely successful. My character. my only the only thing the only thing I regret it re, the only thing I regret uh, no the only thing I regret is that Ernest didn't have a D twenty in Saving Christmas. I thought I put I I, I must have just joked about putting him in there because because <laughs> I was so drunk. I was drunk for that game. I was very drunk. It, it, it showed, but it was awesome because you you had you had some of the best asides. Like there was there was there was all the serious dramatics of happening, and then hold on a second, hold on a second, let's go do this thing. <laughs> you gotta it go, was, just, it was just awesome. You gotta go fight that guy. Hell no! I'm gonna have a drinking contest. You gotta start. Oh, I got him. Yeah. Emma, I'm gonna fight a goddamn samurai. <laughs> He's got swords. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite line in there is, "All I got is my fists and my horribly destroyed liver." <laughs> God damn! 
internet, I, I like to pride myself on having a very good memory. I don't remember any of that game. <laughs> I went back to listen to it, to do a write-up of it, and I just, I like, didn't, it was just a blank space in my mind. Oh, goodness. Oh. And you, Nato? Me? Characters that I regret or didn't like too much? You can say no. You can say everything you've ever done is perfect and move on. I'm not that narcissistic, though. Are you? Are you not? I'm not at all. I mean, the answer is pretty much all of them. <laughs> I'm going to go with all of them. Let's not get depressing now. Well, all the... Cause I, yeah. You've, okay, you've, no, alright. You've, 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 you've liked all the... You've liked all the... Your stuff is amazing. Nearly well, all and the characters it, you've done are fantastic. You can think of a few that were specifically bad, and I swear to God, if anything comes out of your mouth about any of your fantastic characters being bad, I am going to reach through the internet and slap you. Sounds good. Next question. <laughs> so, have you ever been the perpetrator of a Henderson? Um, I believe all of us have at some point. Um, yeah. The Henderson, the Henderson scale of plot derailment for everybody who's uh, unfamiliar is well, the Henderson is short for the Henderson scale of plot derailment, which is a which is a scale a uh, starting at zero, going to, going from um, the further you go in the positive range, the more you derail the plot, um, up to and including uh, two two Hendersons being the maximum of the maximum number of Hendersons, positive Hendersons you can pull, which is you have not only killed the party, you have invariably ended the campaign and probably a couple friendships. Um, on the other side of it is negative nine Hendersons. You have solved all the problems in the universe. Um, so I the, the standard range is, I think, somewhere along the area of like... Uh, I think most of us have pulled somewhere, somewhere in the let's see, uh, somewhere in the range to 0.25 Hendersons and half a Henderson. Um, I mean, I would go out on a limb and say that George in the second second episode of Frida's is that the one where we go to the movies? Yes. Yeah. That's a that's 0.75 Hendersons. Um, the thing was the that, thing was that, the thing was that, that caused plot. See, you know, I, see but, but it like it caused plot in a way that was just bad. Not really. Well, no, I mean not 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 it, bad in that it was it was terrible and we we suck. It was bad in that wow, I really fucked up. Yeah. It uh, was it was a beautiful it was a wonderful beautiful thing and it meant I didn't have to write anything for like 10 sessions. <laughs> so really you pulled you pulled it you pulled the you, you, well, you pulled the Henderson, but you pulled the Henderson in the right direction. Because you made me have to do less work. And at the end Which, of the day... as we've established, is something you like not doing, yes? I like to yes. do not work. Yes, there we go. I am a oh. fan of not doing work. Oh, Matt, you can, by the way, you can you can uh, splice this in um, to the previous topic. I did, I did think of a character, I did think of a couple of characters that I was disappointed in. I, I'll just leave it, because I don't... Oh, okay, fine. I, I don't. You like more work. We just got to talk about that. Um, just, 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 just say, just say all. Okay. The the uh, the, char- the 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 characters that I, that I, that, I, that I find mo- the, find to be the most disappointing. Um, uh, there was a, there was that one game that's not posted or anything. Uh, the the Sandlands game. Oh. The, char- the character I had in that was a character that I had a really really cool concept for, but then just due to certain things happening, the concept fell apart. And I was really fond of the concept, but there's certain things happened to just destroy it. 
and I really wasn't able to play the character how I how I really wanted to. Um, and uh, the second one that 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 there's, there's three of them. Second one is uh, um, Agent I. Man, you're just picking all. You're just picking all winning games. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, Agent I was it was, uh, just, it was again just a character that I had a really cool concept for that I really wasn't able to do in any sort of situation that I've had the opportunity to to have him in a situation. Um, he really hasn't been able to. I really haven't been able to play him up how I wanted to, and consequently has been a, a disappointment as a character. Uh, and the third one actually comes from a sort of dystopia set of sort of sort of set of um, SD games that Charlie's been running. Uh, it's based on you know these characters with supernatural powers that are going about and doing all this stuff. Uh, the character I play there is a uh, is a, a girl named a, a, a young woman named Arya, and she's a disappointment for me because I really have no idea what the hell I'm doing with her. It was like I wrote up a character concept, and then I end up being in those games playing this character, and she doesn't really do that much because I don't know what she'd do. It was a character that I didn't put enough thought into, essentially. Well, so she's, uh, she's a bit of a... in all in all fairness, like the most uh, in that in that campaign, uh, my character is <laughs> the whole the whole concept I had for my character was I want a guy that just makes fire, and then I was auditioning for a voice role that required me to speak with a Scottish accent. So that character <laughs> speaks with a Scottish accent forever, and I'm stuck with that. <laughs> and I, I really love him though like not gonna lie he's, I love Sean so much Sean's a great character um, but uh, but but no Arya is she has a, she has a motivation her motivation is that she enjoys singing so she goes to the place and she sings and now she's happy what else is she gonna do I have no idea she'll sing more she'll sing some more <laughs> no yeah and that was I mean that was um, it's my it's my fault. It's not it's not. Yeah, it's not no, it's, it's mine. But again, it was just the example of a character that I did that. that yeah, I yeah, that's the the the. Yeah, no, totally. Um, I understand what you were saying. Um, let's see. So, what else is? Oh, do we have any that guy stories? Um, you know our that guy stories. We have a podcast. Um, I think I think let's see. Uh, a player whose actions. I do. Trolled the game till they have done unknown. Oh, uh, I guess actually we haven't finished the Henderson scale um, that we did. Uh, we haven't. Nobody's ever derailed a campaign. Nobody's ever totally derailed a campaign. Um, it's almost happened. It's almost happened. A couple it almost of, happened in Ship of Fools. Yep. Remember that much. Yeah. Uh, Christian yeah. almost started a fight with everybody on the other boat, and then we would have had boarding action. The campaign just would have ended there. Um, yeah. It would have been one of the. It would have been. It would have been the. Uh, I almost feel like I should like pull Charlie into this call about that. Um, <laughs> just because. It, just, just, just because um, I, I think I can defend him well enough when I say he didn't realize that what was what was going to happen. Um, right. No, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't know that that it could have possibly ended the uh, the campaign basically. Um, so it really isn't his fault. Um, he wasn't trying to break the campaign. In fact, if he had known that 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 it would that it would have ended the campaign, he probably wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, so it was also probably my fault as a GM for not going. Okay, okay, 
you're going to get everyone killed. And if everyone doesn't die, there's going to be so much injuries to your crew that you're just going to have no choice but to turn your boat around and restock crewmen. <laughs> yep. Probably my fault as a GM for not going coming out and saying that. Um, yeah, yeah. It's... I was being, I, I was being, I was being pretty relaxed with things and just saying, you know, yeah, do what you do what you're going to do, and I'll just tell you what happens. Yeah, that's <laughs> how, how I do things. Um, so that was where we almost reached the Henderson. Um, I'm gonna say like to a lesser degree between like 0.25 and 0.5 Hendersons. I'm gonna say everybody normally, everybody in this group normally does that. Um, according to Greg Stolze, uh, Greg Stolze has a couple of role playing terms that are uh, terms for role playing gamers. Um, in the Monster and Childish Things book, one of the ones he uses uh, is called the Meanderer, and that is what I would define our group as. We don't have, we don't see a lot of reason to reach the plot immediately because we enjoy playing a person and going to a store and buying clothes as our character is just as interesting as going into space and punching out Space Hitler. Um, hey now, that's true. Sometimes. You gotta just punch Space Hitler. Sometimes you gotta punch and, Space and when Hitler. And you do that, when you need to do that, you call me. Well, sometimes Some, sometimes you gotta punch Space Hitler, but what are you going to wear? Exactly. Exactly. I was just about to say. I was I was thinking the same thing. Sam, have, Sam, Sam, do you know what you're, Sam, do you know what you're going to wear when you punch Space Hitler? A goddamn sense of pride? <laughs> <laughs> Honey, those do not match your eyes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, so do we have any that guy stories? Players action, trolled the game. I think we've pretty much covered that. Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I, we've covered that by having a podcast. We've covered by having podcasts. My favorite, my favorite one actually, um, because I, I, I can totally, I can totally, uh, go, totally tell this one because the player is already here. Um, Sam in, uh, <laughs> in um, reflecting the soul. We proceeded to be Batman. <laughs> Oh God, I'm so sorry for that game. It got it it it, 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 it got to a point where I was like, okay, okay, I'm just going to kill off this character now. Yeah, and I was totally okay with it. <laughs> that was that was some that was some bad shit. Um, I I mean, I look back on it and I find it funny. Um, because how you know how how it went. Uh, all all things considered, as far as far as that game was, is I had written up something to be a module, and I was playtesting the module. And Sam and, and Sam kept deviating from what I had from the module, and I was and I, and I and I kept sort of going, you know, this. If it weren't for the fact that I'm playtesting a module, I'd be okay with this, because whenever I GM things, I'm usually if someone just goes and deviates from whatever plot I have. Well, by all means, let's follow this guy and see what he's going to do. And it was and it was a lot of case of me kind of expecting Nate to do that, in that I was trying in my best possible way to get to the plot, and then when the plot wasn't responding, I just kind of became a horrible player and did things that were not good so yeah i actually have i yet still to... defend how much i like that game though because i had a lot of fun and i my character won in the end so i actually still have yet to <laughs> listen to those games it it the, the the game turned out well it's just uh it's just um sam was sam was totally that guy yeah i was you know why that game turned out well that Oh, it's fine. It's fine, Sam. I, I really uh, keep keep in mind that I really don't mind. Um, I'm. Oh, I know. It was. I just rolled ago. punches. That was months ago. Yeah. Yeah. That game turned out well because me and James were in it. 
That's true. In fact, that game turned out well because James is in it. Let's just say that. Any game James is in turns out well. Really, it was yeah. it was true. James's character that made me that made me make the racist steampunk robot again. <laughs> Fun fact: the racist steampunk robot was a character I made back in the old, 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 old original outdated sort of dystopia rules. And I remember he was he was racist because that was a drawback in the original game. And he was a, it's still a drawback. It's, it's, a, yeah, it's a draw. It's a drawback again because it's a good. It's a good drawback. Um, and it was also. I remember that. I, I remember he had. He he also had a jetpack because there was because he was an outworlder. And in the old rules, there were certain things you could take if you were an outworlder, and one of them was flight. And he carries he carries a katana and wears a suit because those were equipment choices in the old game. Yeah, I I I'm happy that I took the old game and deleted it entirely. I went high, select, highlight, select all, delete. Okay, let's do something else. <laughs> I'm really glad I did that. <laughs> God. Any more questions? Um, yes, we actually have a very lengthy one. Um, we have a very lengthy one from our friend Joshua, um, who has... It, this is not so much a question as much as it is a set of data points. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful set of data so points. So, in both games you've posted, uh, this is on Monster Mask, uh, Tommy's been surrounded by the ladies. He is a born player, must be the camera. He and Reggie are just so dull. Uh, speaking of romantic relationships and games, I think I noticed some kind of extremely subtle pattern. Here, let me just make a quick list. We'll see, and I'll see if anybody else sees it. Emma and George, Emma and Scott, Etsu and Neil, Talia and Max, Daniel and Everett, Regina and Tommy, Owen quotes, and Leon, Renee and Niklas, <laughs> Apox and America, Agnes and Yusuf. <laughs> I think all that's all of them you've, for the ones you've posted so far. Now, as I said, there's an incredibly subtle pattern to things. I will now make that list, repairing, replacing the characters' names with the players' names and see what happens. Nate and Sam, Nate and Matt, Nate and Charlie, Nate and Sean, Nate and Manda, Nate and Sam, Nate and Man, Nate and Matt, Nate and Sam, Nate and America, Nate and Charlie. Um, <laughs> um, I would just like to point out that I am winning. I have more character relationships with Nate than the rest of you suckers. I would like to point out that he only has one character relationship with his real girlfriend. (laughs) I would like to point out that the real winner here is America. It's true. Yeah, Nate. I didn't know you. I didn't know you were so romantically involved with America. Um, I I. Uh, I will also say in my. I will also say in my defense uh, that all the relationships that are between Nate's character and my character, my character has been the has been the one to actively start them. Same. Yeah. Same. This 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 I guess comes to a a a, a thing that. I mean, there's a serious thing that I that, that that I can say. It was some not really serious, but uh, I mean, on topic and not 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 too joking there. Um, in that uh, genre-wise, genre-wise, I love the romantic genre only as a subgenre. I can't stand romance as the primary driving force of something. But when there's some sort of long epic story, like say a fifty session campaign um i derive i derive more enjoyment out of it if there happens to be uh um i i derive more enjoyment out of it if there is some sort of subtle mild romance you know kind of issue uh it doesn't have to be in fact i usually prefer it to not be the sort of hollywood romance where it's like oh 
these two people inexplicably meet, and in an hour, we're going to give you a sex scene. That's just stupid. No, with um, Nate, the sex scenes are immediate. Yes. No. Um, no, I enjoy them. I, I enjoy something that just kind of subtly grows, you know, develops on on the side in the background back you know, back there, things along those lines. Uh, long story short, I really, really enjoy romantic side plots. I'm always open for them. If I have a character and someone else has a character and it really actually does and like in them actually becoming something makes sense plotially and character wise and whatnot. Um, I'm all for it. I don't necessarily stop it. And sometimes I even attempt to actually somehow push it along, I guess, um, because it's fun for me. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to say like, there are a couple of there are a couple of sessions that uh, haven't been posted yet uh, that actually feature characters who have romantic relationships um, and no part of the relationship is played by Nate. That does happen eventually. Just yeah, just, that's true. just just give it time. Um, yeah, um, it involves me. And uh, I'm completely okay with that. <laughs> I I I I enjoy its existence. I don't necessarily have to be involved. I know. When it when it exists, I can sit back and watch it and zaw. If I'm involved with it, I can sit back and play in it and zaw. I'm just gonna really say it's the same same result. I'm just gonna say that at least one of them, it suddenly came out of nowhere because I was like, it it was it was very strange because I because my my somewhere somewhere it's just like this is the right time. This character likes this other character, and so out of nowhere, I just made a thing happen. Um, it's so good. Don't spoil anything. George <laughs> and Scott make out. Yes. There's brandy involved. It's all my ships. <laughs> all the ships, all of them. Um, Still that pent up rage and I, confusion. I, I I I do remember that one. That one, man. That one, that one was really really good. Um, that was that, that one was very very satisfying. Uh, but yeah. Um, am I a whore? What? <laughs> Yes. Only for you, America. <laughs> Only for you, America. Um, I think that's all of our. I think that's all of our questions. Not quite. Travis has a quick comment I want to address. In that, um, on the same on Monster Mask, he talks about. Uh, he says, "Oh, Sam's character is being sweet. I don't think I've ever seen that before. George is a huge dick. Nicholas is a hard ass, etc." <laughs> Internet. I'm a very nice person. I would just like to reiterate that. I, I really. Hate the things my characters do, but they just do them. <laughs> it, I, I frequently while playing George, and oh my god, you guys don't even know yet, but I frequently while playing George just feel incredibly bad about the things that are going on, but they still have to happen. So when you see Tommy being sweet, it's because I can actually play a character who is sweet. And, and Tommy is is Tommy's just really just a really nice guy. Tommy's a nice guy. I like I, Tommy a lot. Tommy's, I like to I like to think that Tommy grows up and is somebody I would want. Inter, to be. Inter, internet yeah. and much in much in much in deference to Sam, I play a lot of sweet characters, but I'm actually a colossal douche. <laughs> <laughs> also, just 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 in reference to uh, the headcanon, I like to think that you know. Tommy Tommy grows up well, and so does Regina, and they, they, they totally just are completely, like, normal and healthy and romantically involved later on in life. I'd, I'd like to think that. Oh, I'd like to think that. I think you're all pussies. 
Jingles, where'd you come from? Your emotions and your girly feelings. <laughs> your emotions oh. and your girly feelings. All of my sad just happened right now. All of them. <laughs> every, every, oh, every God. It's everywhere. Um, <laughs> just like the ants. It's in the carpet. What? Oh, God, it's in my eyes. No, no, I, I, I. No, no, really, the sad is in my eyes. I'm crying. I love sweet things and romance and. Nate, be, Nate, so Nate Mando, when you said that, Nate became a cockatoo, stepped under a fountain of shame. <laughs> chocolatey, chocolatey shame. Oh, actually, Travis also has another question in which it reads more like a demand, and Travis, we hear your demands and we are ex- uh, bowing to them. Are there any more Little Fears APs on the way? Yes. Yes. Yes, there are. There are like 11 at this point. <laughs> yep. And we're not even like close to halfway done. No, we're not. We're, we're, we're not even close to well, we're not close to halfway done. We're not close to posting them either. You're just yeah. I, I, nonetheless, I, I love the Campfire Tales and I'm really really fucking excited because um, Jason Blair is going to release uh, three new Campfire Tales uh, June, July, and August. God, we are and never going to not be playing Little Fears. Hmm? <laughs> we are never going to be not playing Little Fears. Oh, and, and get this, after that he's going to release book three. Fuck. I know <laughs> he has, or he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna release something. Either it's going to be book three, or it's going to be the seven, or the seven king settlement. No matter what, it's going to be awesome. Yes, this so. is true. So yes, Travis, there are more. There are more little fears. APs coming. They are going to be great. Yeah, we. Uh, far as the game, far as the game, those games go, we did pretty much the same thing happened with those as happened with Frida's. We made some characters. We started playing them. We fell in love with these characters. Yeah, well, also, uh, also, also, we had at least six like stories prepared to tell that we haven't told any of yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, we always, we, we have, we have direction, and we know we're, we know what we're doing, but um, still, the characters we made were. Yeah, no, the characters, characters. Really enjoy playing. I yeah, I, I definitely did not commission my character a bunch of times. <laughs> And by that I mean these these are characters that we're completely okay with okay role playing going going and buying clothes. Yep, that's what we like doing. Um, so I think that's about it for viewer comments, uh, listener comments. Um, always recall, um, always remember that uh, you can send us an email at thedrunkandtheugly at gmail dot com, or you can comment on the site, or you can leave us uh, questions via Twitter. Or oh, that reminds me. Something I should have put in the beginning of the show. There's a there is a Facebook group now. I am going to put that on the front um, of everything. We have a Facebook. Yep, we're using this Facebook. Uh, that only took I don't know a year for us to do because that. I'm, because I'm a horrible monster and um and Macatara waiting on me. Well, mostly I just made a Facebook because you know why not. Um, we probably should have had one for a while. Yeah. It's like free and it takes zero seconds to set up. Yeah. You click start a group, and it's like name. That's the name. You have a group. We see Matt. Matt. Matt was just like, uh, you know, Nate. You should totally set up a forum for the podcast. And I was like, yeah, sure. Two months later, how's that forum coming? Oh, forgot about that. I'll get right on it. Two months later, how's that forum coming? Oh yeah, sorry about that. Forgot again. It just kept happening, and then he just said, "Screw it," and made a Facebook Facebook page. Yep, I'm like, oh man, Nate. Nate knows how to do forums. He he ran a forum for a while. 
<laughs> been a forum for like you know, eight years. Something like that. Listeners, if you want a drunk and ugly forum, comment and we'll make Nate do all of the work. He kind of taught me how to do it once, but I don't remember. <laughs> then Amanda proceeded to melt. It's a better not If there is any forum making on my end, it's probably going to it's probably going to occur when you guys are at my house and are able to crack a whip. Oh, I'll crack more than that. Oh, oh God. my. Was that all for the newsies then? I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, yep. Uh, stay tuned uh, for discussions with Roz Pate on our incredibly professional show. <laughs> the most professional show. <laughs> we'll see you in a bit. With us today, we have a special uh, guest commentator, uh, reporter. I don't know what we're calling ourselves in this. Um, podcaster. <laughs> podcaster, sure, yeah. Well, that makes sense for our podcast. Actually, actually, actually uh, correspondent. Yeah, um, guy, <laughs> person. Um, this is this is the worst intro to anything ever. I thought the one for the this newest episode of RPPR was the bad, but man, I'm, I feel better it's, about it's, it now. It's, I, also, I, also, I love that that's the first episode you made a transcript for, so I can just see myself rambling incoherently. Well, to be fair, this that was free. Like that, that's like. I, uh, uh, was an offer like hey we'll transcribe transcribe it for free i'm like i'm just okay. glad that my i'm just glad that my ramblings are forever immortalized in text. i know right <laughs> you can see how many uh, times i talk over nate um, exactly. and apparently you guys say yeah over 400 times in the show did you count no i did i did a find in the in the browser and it said 421 instances of yeah <laughs> Well, it was two hours. So. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, it, was, it wasn't just Ross and I. You were you were helping that, Matt. Oh yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> you, can, you can't blame us. I I'm not. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I never placed blame on anybody. Um, but in any case, uh, blame aside, how how terrible a person Nate is. Um, aside, um, the reason that we brought Ross in here. <laughs> Hi, I'm Ross Payton from Roleplay Public Radio. Uh, right. Yes, the reason we brought the reason we brought the one and only published author Ross Payton in here is to is because uh, our good friend Clace uh, asked us a question, asked us a couple questions about game design and balance. And in our prior to our roundtable with him, he was talking to us for a few minutes about game balance and kind of how he gets that done. So, uh, so we have uh, it's going to be sort of a this sort of a question and answer between well with Nate and Ross because I've only designed one game and it was in an hour and only for the lulls and I, i'm pretty <laughs> sure sam has designed no games so nope none none games so i'll let sam uh lead this interview process because his voice is this rich sexy baritone <laughs> <laughs> all right um so yeah we got questions from clace uh regarding game design and and uh some very specific stuff so i thought we'd start off um having you guys both of you guys talk briefly about the way you start with game design. Ross, you've got you're working on Kill Explosion right now, and, and yeah. um, Nate obviously has sort of Dystopia up. So if you guys want to talk about kind of how you where you start with that and and wh- where you, you, you the kind of first places you go. Do you want me or Nathan to answer first? Or you you go first. You're the guest. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, the first thing is obviously you have the the idea, the concept for the game that you want to do. Uh, for me, I want to create whenever I create a game or a camp, and including campaign design, you know, like road trip or curriculum conspiracy or whatever. I come up with some concept that I think would be interesting, something that hasn't quite been done yet. 
because if it's just uh, you know the, to me personally just doing you know a fantasy system or a horror system isn't really that interesting so i want to have some sort of unique take on it or some sort of like tagline for it i guess you know something that would like hey this is this type of game so once i do that then it's a matter of figuring out the how to get the core like come up with the main gimmick for the system i guess you'd say so like in dungeons dragons it's you know the dungeon well, the levels and the the spells and things like that but like for say all flesh must be eaten it's the create a zombie rules for kill explosion is obviously the competitive uh player versus player you know combat rules so that's that's the where i go and then i start going you know come up with the main concept start with the main uh the very core mechanics and get on details and then write something up, send it out for playtesting, get feedback back, then revise, write, revise, revise, you know, until it has to be sent out. So revision process. Yeah. yeah. Uh, works aren't finished. They're just abandoned. So, <laughs> sadly, <laughs> sadly abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. And yeah, Nate? I mean, that's a really simple, simple, you know, gross simplification, but that's the general idea. Yeah. So. Um, I, uh, actually a bit less refined than Ross here, uh, probably because I've been writing RPGs for less time. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure you've been doing this for much longer than me, Ross. Yeah, I guess. I don't know when you started, so I mean, <laughs> I, I can't compare. I know how long I started. First, I mean, my first uh, PDF work for like RPG Now was in 2005. So yeah, yeah. The the first uh, tabletop RPG I played was uh, I think a couple years ago. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I've been doing, yeah a little longer. Um. So uh. Yeah, it's a bit it's less refined than Ross because uh, you know I'm still fairly new to the uh, to the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I've only written about uh, two RPGs and then a third in an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of those RPGs was actually a playtest for you know sort of dystopia. Um, and basically, just I, what 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 I what I did as far as writing sort of dystopia goes is that I uh, I wound up writing the world first. I had I had I had an idea for oh hey here's the setting here's this world all that jazz write all that down stop look at it and go what kind of game would this lean towards well, that was actually a bad idea <laughs> yeah I could see that being a little problematic um, yeah I, I, having I had, that massive world building and then yeah where do world you go building from there? world building is fun but it's not like the more I, I do this kind of game design and writing stuff, the less important I think it is. It really is for me coming like answering a dramatic or a, a game question uh, is more interesting to me. Like doing something right, like doing chases or doing PvP uh, or getting some sort of minor aspect of it right uh, is more interesting to me than like trying to create this. This is the world, you know. And like I'm not going to do Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings has been done and it's going to be a hell of a lot better than any Lord of the Rings I ever do so uh <laughs> yeah. that's although, just me re- realizing my limitations i don't you know i can't speak for anyone. although to be fair ross you probably wouldn't have the hobbits crossing the shire for the first third of the book <laughs> that was essential to the book don't you understand because <laughs> <laughs> of language because of right language. um so uh yeah that being said it's something i don't actually suggest to anyone else who's going to be writing rpgs um 
Ross is pretty much spot on there. Start with a start with start with a uh, in a, a thematic concept. Well, I think of a niche that hasn't been done before. Like, it, I mean, that that's for me the the, the first question to an, answer. So, like, you know, I for example have a lot of game design questions, a lot of games that I want to do that I haven't done yet because just of time and energy. Uh, like one for example is like do a horror game. Where the standard thing in horror role-playing games is, you know, you have a whole beastery of, like, vampires and werewolves and zombies and, you know, old ones and blah, blah, blah. But in in horror stories, in horror fiction, you don't have that. You have, like, one villain for, like, the entire story. You know, you have Pinhead, and Pinhead might have a few goons, but they're kind of an extension of Pinhead, you know, in Hellraiser or Freddy Krueger or something like that. And I can't find, I can't think of any, I mean, you certainly can have those kind of one villain adventures, but you don't, I haven't seen a game that really focuses on that concept of like doing that. And because the idea is in most role, horror role playing games, when you meet the villain, you either die or kill him. I mean, it's, you know, it's a fight to the death, and that's the end of the story. Like, you don't have multiple confrontations with him where you just get away or you talk to him and then run away or something like that you know so i that that's for example one kind of niche that i i I have sketched out that i haven't gotten to yet so that's the kind of thing that i mean i guess that kind of gets into my next question um which has to do with uh based on personal preference for for both you Mm. um specifically does for designing a system i do you would you specifically like to target it to situations or have one that can kind of take all comers? Like, uh, for instance, you know, Dungeons and Dragons is very specifically a tactical war game that has some role playing elements well, tacked onto it. I mean, it depends on the edition. I mean, yeah, Chainmail, and then you. I mean, you can make well, you can make the argument for any edition of that. But I mean, yeah, but but then versus something like Call of Cthulhu's uh, BRP system, which can pretty much do anything at least fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the- yeah, universal systems have been done, and I don't have the chops or the energy or the, the desire to do them. I mean, you know, if I, I'm not going to come up with something as elegant as one roll engine or something comprehensive as GURPS or BRP or something like that. So, I mean, that's that's again for me. That's if you're wanting, if you're an independent game designer, like, and you want to do something on your own, you kind of have to come up with some niche or some idea that's clever that hasn't been done yet. You know, like you see all these indie RPGs like Fiasco and Dogs in the Vineyard and stuff like that. And that's that's something more if you're you know if you're working for a larger company, you know, or you have a lot of backing to where you can do a nice you know something comprehensive, then that's great. But like you see all these guys like, oh, I have my own universal role playing system. It's great. And like, eh, whatever. I mean, I could just get GURPS. You know, why would I get some generic unknown universal system as opposed to GURPS or BRP or you know? So that's um, that's my question. To that it, does that answer that? Or, I, yeah, no, uh, pretty well. Um, and Nate, if you want to, yeah, I was, I was gonna throw say, some uh, words at the same topic. I mean, uh, as far as designing the systems go, I, I, I don't think I've, as far as the games that I've written, the I haven't really written anything that is a universal system. But whenever I do write them, um, whenever whenever I do write them, I kind of prefer to write them in a way that they could be that if. That if basically a GM or someone else who wanted to who, who wanted to work with it could make it into whatever they wanted to make it, it's like but as as written it's you know niche for the setting of this game, but just a few tweaks here and there, and it applies to a lot of other things. Um, but sh- I, I can just say um, the 40k RPGs. That's that's that's, that's very much like that. Uh, you can just you, I mean one of the Matt. 
posted in the chat a little earlier. Um, <clears throat> sorry, I'm not posting the chat a little earlier about uh, one thing that I did for you know fun um, was that I uh, I converted um, 40k to Pokemon, and the conversion like was perfect. Po- Pokemon in the 40 in like uh, Warhammer 40k or like one of the the, the actual the, the 40k system. The 40k system for Pokemon. Okay. Yeah. So you like had 40k stats for Pikachu and you know yeah, yeah. Charizard. I I, uh, I I came up with a uh, you know a, a a conversion system and all and, and all that jazz as a means of uh, making it work and it was fun. Uh, it also sort of proved to me that the 40k RPG system is really surprisingly good. <laughs> yeah, I mean you, you really can't. Yeah, I mean you certainly can't. Uh, 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 extensive. I mean, for example, like monsters and other childish things. What we did on RPBR episodes, of not Um, You know, Aaron uh, from our group, the RPBR group, just ran at Gen Con last year, and actually for us a few weeks ago, uh, a his own game of taking the secrets of Nim, uh, the you know the animated classic kids movie, and adding the Cthulhu mythos to it, and uh, <laughs> and using monsters and other childish things to run that, and it worked pretty well. And I, I, of course, Kayla, for example, forgot, you know, Aaron had mentioned that before. I knew about it, but some of the players had forgotten about that. So when the Cthulhu Mythos stuff came up, you're like, you go down the well, there's bodies everywhere. They're like, what is going on? I thought I was... <laughs> and That's so that, 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 yeah, we'll, we'll have that actual play up eventually. So, uh, but that's, awesome. <laughs> that awesome. was just a barrel of fun. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you certainly can do that kind of thing. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a system that's versatile enough to handle a lot of sis, uh, situations, but that's almost kind of incidental. I mean, like the fantasy flight guys, you know, who make the uh, Rogue Trader and Dark Heresy and all those other games using that engine, whatever that you want to call it. I, I, I don't know if it has a specific name. Um, I, don't, I don't know if it has one or not. Yeah, they don't care if you can put Pokemon in it or not. I mean, they're they're just going to do it so they can be all you know have the add more grim darkness. You know, fifth edition, twenty <laughs> percent more grim dark. You know that that's and that that works for them. So um, it's certainly not something I I think about when I'm designing a game because I I want the game to do one thing well and that would be enough for me. I mean, if I get better as a designer where I can make this elegant universal system or something like that, I, I you know. But anyways, no. Actually, that, what, what comes to mind now is uh, I suppose the reason that I, that, I, that I wound up doing that uh, was actually because um, sort of dystopia itself is a a world setting. Yeah. So it yeah, has, it has, it has, yeah. I mean, that's more of a like open in a world where you could run like. I mean, it's post-apocalyptic, but you could have high action games or investigative games or you know more horror games and that kind of thing or political intrigue. Uh, so I mean, because you have a whole world there. So yeah. So yeah, for 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 that, I couldn't really I couldn't really design something niche. I had I had designed something a little more open, albeit tailored to and made specifically for this post-apocalyptic, you know, 150 years after in the world, you know, that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um. So. Yeah. That that being said, uh, as far as designing systems, the ones I enjoy designing most are the ones that actually are niche, <laughs> that are incredibly that that are incredibly uh, focused. Yeah. So, I mean, do you, would you obviously you try and use that next time uh, after you, after you're finished with sort of dystopia and try and yep. write an, another system if you choose to yep. do that? You'd go for the niche. Yeah, I'm going to just because I I really really enjoyed writing Crystal Rock. Um, the that, and that's, the one that's, hour that was the one hour game that you guys did for the challenge. Yeah, so yeah. You ran it. Yeah. Um, and it was basically, I mean, system wise, the 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 idea is 
Uh, it's a D8 roll under system where you roll a number of D8s. Um, you know, you, you, roll, you roll a few D8s based on, you know, what sort of social cliques you're in. Right. Uh, and, and, and things along those lines. And it was a really, really niche thing that can't that, that can't really apply to anything outside of this particular area, this particular New England area that, that, that is set. <laughs> um, and it was really fun to write. I had a I had a great time trying to figure out how to how to, how to make something like that. Yeah, um, and you know, Ross, what um, just I just realized you might not realize what we're referencing here. Uh, what Matt and Nate did um, at one point was a one-hour challenge where they had yeah. to design and, and write uh, out a, a game and system in one hour. I got um, you. So that's that's just what we're referencing. Right okay, there. I got you. Uh, you know, one thing that uh, that actually is a good point because uh, so that's that that was your goal for designing that game. One thing, you, if you if you want to be a game designer, if you want to design a game, you need to think about why you're actually putting all this effort into designing a game. Uh, so if you're, I mean, if you're doing it purely as a labor of love, totally disconnected from the care of whatever the you think the audience might want or what a buying public might want. I mean, yeah, if you want, like, I'm going to do a game called every. Thing is dolphins. It's about dolphins, and they have battle axes and hats, and they go out and they're dolphins. And you Ross, think I'm, I'm making I'm gonna, something I'm gonna, up? I'm and gonna I'm have not. To stop you right there and, yeah. and demand that that be your next Kickstarter. I think no. <laughs> that that's that's actually. Uh, I'm pretty sure that game already exists. It's just called it Sea Dracula. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. No, no, no. It's it, no. It actually exists. Let me pull it up. I'll, I'll send you a link. Um, oh God. There's a uh, everything is dolphin RPG and art book. It's already raised nineteen hundred ninety one dollars as of this thing, uh, and it's fucking dolphins. It's outsider art, as you know, like you know the crazy people that make toothpick castles and stuff like that. Like one of them made an RPG instead, and it's. <laughs> So you know, if you're if you if you're totally disconnected from whatever like response your game can get, then yeah, do whatever you want. You make your universal role playing system, make your dolphin RPG or whatever. Uh, that's fine. But if you want something back from people, either praise or attention or money uh, or all three or something like that, you know, uh, then you need to think about what people would be interested in. And what, how you could get out and sell your game, or how you can get people to download your game. So you kind of have to think like, again, the a universal system isn't going to give as much interest because there are already really good ones on the market. You know, there's GURPS and there's BRP, and uh, people can adapt their own, and people tend to adapt their own systems for it. You know, like we're going to take D and D third ed, and we're going to put you know robots in it. You know, because you know, fuck it, they love Pathfinder. We're going to put robots in Pathfinder or whatever. And so you need to think about something that hasn't been done at all or something that's interesting and people are like oh yeah i'd buy that because that sounds cool you know uh so Though that's the, just uh, kind of uh uh something you need to consider why are you doing this why are you making this game why are you doing this and that will inform what the scope of your project will be uh as well so yeah so as far as um as far as that as far as that goes actually uh let me give me anything about my particular point um when it comes to if, if if your goal really is to sell, try and sell to the buying public, um, you pretty much encounter all of the all of the uh, the drawback or all of the issues of attempting to publish fiction plus some. Um, as the the plus some being, you know, as as Ross just pointed out, um, you know, what's been done before is just not going to sell. While conversely, when you try and publish fiction, sometimes what's been done before will sell. 
sure a lot of teen fiction can be excused for that. <laughs> I don't think we uh, ever need to excuse teen fiction for anything. Well, yeah. Well, uh, so that's, that's that's the excuse for a lot of teen fiction. How about that? There you go. So, um, but uh, that being said, uh, when when it comes to publishing fiction and you know publishing RPGs, much the same, much the same sort of situation. Um, your the the research you do is mostly in demographics. You know what yeah. what precisely sells? What sort of themes sell? What sort of tone sell? Um, what does what does the the vast buying public like in well, I mean, I mean, there's also like economies of scale too, in the sense like, you know, what what sells going to be, you know, D and D fourth ed, Pathfinder, and then you know, like 40k, yeah. but those are lavish hard color or hardcover, uh, full color glossy paper books, which are, you know, you need the tens of thousands of dollars to do a decent sized print run of that, and you also need to have graphic designers, artists, blah blah. You have to have a lot of financing for that. What what tends to be popular for like say small indie people are like the small print on demand books like Dog. In the vineyard, fiasco, and uh, then you can sell them as ebooks as well for you know with no marginal cost. You know you don't have you just sell them for whatever. So uh, well, you have to think about what resources you have and what you can actually make that's good because people will buy Dogs in the Vineyard and they will buy Pathfinder, but they won't make they won't buy someone who has the budget of a Dogs in the Vineyard trying to do a Pathfinder. Like you know, you can't do Pathfinder on the cheap because uh, you, you, Wayne Reynolds likes eating better food than ramen noodles, and he's not going to do your. <laughs> you know, he's not going to. He's not going to. He, he doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your ten. You know, fifty bucks to do ten. You know, color pictures and whatever. So, um, anyways, that's that's a kind of consider. But I mean, that's more in the economics rather than the and the business side of it rather than the art or the design side of it. So right, which is valid to talk about. Yeah. And yeah. has, but we could go on for hours about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, and, I, suppose, I suppose all, all I was saying there, though, was uh, um, you're looking at uh, thematic demographics. Oh, what sells? What what, se- what sells on this on, on this side of fiction? Vampires sell on this side of fiction. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, sort of just, just, just sells. I mean, you already you you did have that successful Kickstarter for it. So, um, I mean, as an example. Mm-hmm. So, um, though, like, there are no vampires in my book, but still, exactly. So, I apologize to anyone else who who wanted vampires. Well, they can add it in. I mean, I'm sure that that's, that's not hard. Nate, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna run sort of dystopia with vampires now. Just, 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 no, I'm not gonna play that game. <laughs> make sure that that they're sparkly. Oh, I of think. course. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if there are other vampires that aren't sparkly. I I. I <laughs> I've this lost world cannot track. contain such a thing. Yeah. <laughs> There's only room enough for one kind of vampire in this town. <laughs> um, all right, so I guess moving on um, to the specific questions from our good friend Clace. Um, first, he wrote in, when you guys started out with the rule set, did you do any calculations on it? And then I think he means, uh, he goes on to say, I sat the other day myself counting percentile chances of a success the other day in the system that I'm working on. It can end up being an awful lot of math. So I guess what he's trying to get at is, uh, when you design the system beyond the basic playtesting in the game, um, what kind of playtesting of the mechanics do you do? Well, uh, not a whole lot. I mean, I'm going to be honest, because 
that's the uh, the one of the secrets that the only thing people realize is the big role playing games um they as a rule don't do as much mathematical percentages and probabilities as you think they do uh for example if you i mean and this is not something that i'm some conspiracy this is something you can you can verify because think of, think of every popular role playing game and think of the weird quirks of the rules that you have like in the world of darkness uh first generation first uh, the first version of it the old world of darkness where if you added more dice to your dice pool you would also have a larger pro- probability of botching because you know every if you had more ones than successes then you botch uh then uh, you would have succeeding that's like mm, unintended consequences they didn't really think those mechanics through uh so and in D- for even in fourth ed D, they fucking got the basic edition wrong in some cases uh and so they had to have all this errata i mean why do games have if games were as play tested as meticulous as you think they wouldn't have errata or they wouldn't have very much of it but like game designers you know prefer you know the ones the, the big boys or whatever you want to call them uh they don't put uh they put obviously some work into it but they don't you know get it to a fine-tuned mathematical pre- precision edge uh they cuz they they have ta- they have limited time they have limited f- inter- resources to play test and get this game out the door and they realize they can always release a new edition so i think i think the better model is to release and iterate you know do you know if you want to have a good game, just keep doing ver- uh, iteration after iteration of it. I mean, that's what I'm going to do with Kill Explosion. Now, like, I haven't done the math at all on it. Like, I had some basic percentages of, but it's you know, it's com- like for Kill Explosion, it's easy because it's competitive. It's always going to be a roll off between one person versus another one. So, like, how do you count? Ca- like, I figured that would be keep it more fair than just having static rolls where it's one roll versus a specific target number. So I, yeah, there's, and there are utilities that will help you figure out the percentages. Like I just sent you a link to small roller, which is a program that will figure out the dice percentages of whatever you want to roll. And there are really good, uh, uh, I'll say games out there that are mathematically sound. Like the one roll engine is pretty, uh, mathematically sound. It's just, if, if you start getting into weird superpowers, like wild talents with lots of wiggle and hard dice, then it gets fucking weird. But you know, that's, that, that is a yes. Yeah. Especially I'm doing 500 point characters now and that's, uh, <laughs> and, then I, and, I, and then I just feel sorry for you. <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for me too. <laughs> so we, we like, uh, we like yeah, to hear don't don't get caught up in the math like yeah it's good to like be try to spot check it so you don't like have blatantly stupid things in it but don't feel like it has to be this this precise elegant you know theorem uh that is you know timeless and eternal you know you 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 can use be a little rough around the edges is what i'm saying so there's also there's there's also um you know brings up brings up a point of uh play testers and uh editors yeah they they are invaluable for that. Oh um, yeah, you can yeah. you could very well. I mean, this this happened with me. You know, as far as me writing a SD, uh, I, I I would I would have you know my friends who'd be you know reading it whenever I was adding things and and, and whatnot, and I and I'd add in something that I thought was brilliant, and then you know I'd have three people come around and go, Nate, this is complete bullshit. Remove this. What? But I thought it was no. Okay. 
um, yeah, that's that's like that is one thing. If you do a game, you need it play tested. Period. You cannot. I mean, it, well, I mean, if it's a one hour game, obviously. But if you're doing something that's you know going to be not just a cheap little gimmick game, something uh, that you're putting. Yeah, if you're putting effort into it and yeah, time, if, you want to get it play tested. Yeah, especially yeah. if you want to get it published or printed or you know for selling or doing now dot uh, com or something like that. You really do need play testing because it's just yeah the same thing you need an editor for anything you write because you will you become invisible your own errors are invisible to you like you just you read a word and you think it's spelled you know correctly but you're just gloss mentally adding that you know last letter to make it you know spell right so you don't notice those errors and other people will so that's that's, that's a problem that all all writers encounter actually i mean yeah yeah. no one's immune but yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, no, I think those are good points. And basically, what I think what the message we're trying to get across here is functionality over perfection. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Don't. I mean, it's. I see a lot of writers and people like, oh, I have this one perfect thing that's going to be this project that's going to be beautiful and it's going to be my magnum opus, and it's so precious to them that they never finish it or they keep working on it for fucking ever and they never release it. And I think it's better to. Uh, get something out there that people can, you know, react and comment on, uh, and you know, get absorbed and uh, by the, the the audience than having some imaginary magnum opus that no one ever sees. Yeah, so. actually, uh, what what but uh, what comes to mind as far as this topic goes actually is uh, Little Fears. Um, Little Fears was out for about uh, Jason 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 Blair published Little Fears uh, the first edition in two thousand one, and then. You know, six seven years later, after so after you know it had been play tested and after it had played so often, play tested and all that jazz, um, he had so many comments and and uh, and critique. He scrapped the entirety of that first edition and rewrote Little Fears from scratch, based on based on all all, all the information he had, um, and then you know, published the Nightmare Edition, which I initially had reservations about because I was so. I, I I unfortunately had that had that transition issue between uh, editions mm-hmm. that people tend to have, um, but uh, after you know really reading Nightmare Edition and playing it after after and this this actually goes to the lore too like the actual the, not just the system but the actual um, like the, the the actual you know, story and and the concepts that are that are that are that are put out there for you know use in the game. Um, it's all ultimately better, and it's because I've been played so often, and because he's gotten so many, so 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 much uh, critique on. Yeah, that. I mean, I've gotten like forty or fifty pages of feedback from Kill Explosion already, and I need to finish going through all that and making all those changes. And yeah, it it a game is better the more you playtest it. I mean, that that's. Uh, uh, just the nature of the beast. That's just the nature of game design. You, unless you're, you know, Richard Gar, even Richard, you know, Garfield uh, who designed Magic: The Gathering. And he has a PhD in mathematics, so he knows, you know, more about game design than everyone ever. Uh, <laughs> he, you know, he had extensive playtesting too to to perfect Magic: The Gathering, which allowed it to become the, you know, beast that makes hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And he just goes to sleep on his you know, pile of money every night. So not that I'm bitter or anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't uh, hear so He says the money where hundred dollar bills just rain down on him as he laughs maniacally. Yeah, well, uh, Richard. Uh, so yeah. 
<laughs> pretty much. All right, well, cool. Um, yeah. Very, very, very cool. Um, let's see, what's Clay's got now? Um, so, yeah, um, Clay's asks, how important do you feel it is that the rules of a game match the setting? I personally feel that sometimes the rules seem to be more of an afterthought that got added once a setting has been written. So he's asking about genre versus mechanics, and we addressed this a little bit already. Um, but what do you guys think? Rules of a game matching the setting? Is it important? Well, I mean, I can't really think of something that off the top of my head from some published game that really is uh, some mechanic that would be really out of place. I mean, I don't know what what your specific. I I don't know what he's referring to. I mean, yeah, there's sometimes when the rules don't quite mesh, like the world of darkness getting more dots makes you more likely to botch, but that's not an intended consequence. That's a you know an error, a flaw in the game. Um, well, world of darkness also has like humanity, which makes less yeah. sense when you're not playing something that's totally transforming into a monster. Well, I mean, they well, they, well, in the old world of darkness and most of the new one, humanity. Well. Old World Darkness, you were only you only had to worry about humanity when you're a vampire. Um, that, I mean, each different game had their own morality mechanic, and uh, they're they're trying to reinforce the genre conventions there. In Hunter, you just went crazy, you know, and in Werewolf, you went um, I can't remember the exact like you just went into a you know, crazy rage, I guess it was. Um, but I mean, I I don't know exactly what he's really refer. Yeah, obviously the game mechanics should re- reflect the genre. You know, a horror game should have sanity, fear mechanics. You know, horror mechanics, and then an action game should have you know really slick combat rules. Uh, but I can't really think of something that really jumps to my mind of uh, a mismatch. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Um, and though I yeah, I I do I do kind of know what he means though in regards to. Like uh, in regards to uh, mechanics being an afterthought, mm-hmm. um, that that certainly does happen. Um, I, again, uh, Sword of Dystopia was the, the mechanics of that game was an afterthought. I wrote the setting first, then I wrote the mechanics. Well, I mean, I think I, there's and then I rewrote everything to, for it to match. Yeah, I mean, there's sometimes the I've seen I've seen some games that have kind of generic mechanics that don't really reflect what the specific flavor this game's going after. But I don't really how, how much you need that. For for example, I mean, you know, I think sometimes games go too far in one direction where everything is they're trying to reflect the the theme of the game so much in the mechanics that it gets just you know obnoxious. You know, where they have you know really cutesy names for all the the attributes and uh, that really reflect it. You know, like a sci-fi game where uh, every you have you know polysyllabic words for every single attribute you know and I think uh, then you get you know, just complexity for the sake of complexity you know I mean um, so yeah I mean I think honestly the rules should I mean it's better that they be an afterthought than you, you spend so much attention on them I mean the whole point the, these are storytelling games and if the rules of the game become more important than the story you know i'm i think that's problematic i think the story is more important than the than the the game mechanics the game mechanics should be in service to enhance the story so which is which is why i I personally prefer simpler systems um yeah i think i think they 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 work a lot uh they 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 tend to work a lot better for um a story-oriented game yeah no, definitely. Um, I mean, you don't want something like fucking Phoenix Command for 
uh, you know, to role play you know, just some kind of political entry game where you're t- talk, talk, talk. Oh yes, I go out and duel him. Well, you're on a there's three. Um, uh, you know, the winds are 15 miles to the southwest, a hundred yards away. You had five feet elevated above him. The wind, you know, so you're two degrees elevated. And I'm not kidding. That's those are the rules. Like if you look at the Phoenix Command book, it's it's maddening to think of that people figured this out and well and alternately i mean well on the other side of that gurps is a universal system and has rules about the same i think that i think what is it like well the, 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 the thing about gurps is gurps you can keep it really simple you don't have to add in every single uh rule they have for like damage and stuff like that and even as for, worse, and for it horseback has riding phoenix command <laughs> like you 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 unless you read phoenix command i mean i can't even read the whole thing i just read one page at random like i'm done that's enough for this year, this month, um, it 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 is exponentially worse than anything GURPS could ever come up with. Uh, so yeah, well, and and I think on the other side of the question is, uh, you know, games that do succeed at um, uh, meshing mechanics and genre really well. Dirty World comes to mind, where it's incredibly noir, but it, mm-hmm. and even you know, like you're talking, you know, all the attributes and your stats are all very noir and they're very you know specific. You know, you have understanding and, and persuasion and, and endurance and uh, demonstration, which are you know not commonly found role-playing game attributes. Yeah. Some some are, some aren't. Uh, but it manages to work very well and is a yeah. very smooth system. I or, mean, it, Dirty World uh, is brilliant because it really emphasizes the rhetoric of role-playing, which I think is underemphasized. Which is, you know, the the structure of your argument and how persuasive it is. Uh, you know, I know Caleb is really into that, and uh, he doesn't even like having to make social roles if your argument is persuasive enough. I know, like Tom's running a Call of Cthulhu game that Caleb guest played, and Tom made this incredible argument to persuade some FBI agent to come out and meet with him. Uh, but you know, we were trying to capture the FBI agent because we're German saboteurs and you know. 1940 America and ha we're Nazis so uh because <laughs> Tom's running the game uh, big surprise there so uh the but he came with this incredible argument uh to end Tom said well make a persuade check and he's like I have a persuade of 15 you this is a pre-gen and I'm like well fine make a luck check and so you know it, it's um it, dirty so that's why Caleb really likes a dirty world because that's you you just uh, uh, use the rhetoric more. You can justify anything if you have the rhetoric to it. And yeah, well, I think in that in that same sort of vein. Um, also, also a very rules light thing. I think Wushu's mechanic was designed perfectly for what it tries oh, to yeah. reflect, which yeah. is that everything in an action movie is easier the more complicated it is. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean the. But those are really kind of understated rules. I mean, they have them there, but they don't really like draw attention to them. Um, I know, like, there are especially a lot of games in like the '90s. A lot of the knockoff games, like the like, if you ever look through the Mutant Chronicles RPG, you you just see kind of this overwrought. Uh, 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 rules that don't really justify, and um, so I kind of like more of those understated that seem to be kind of uh, until you actually play them out, you realize, oh, these aren't you know an afterthought. They're just you know not draw. I don't like rules that draw attention to themselves. Mm. If that makes sense. So yeah, kind of rules that hide their own work, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right, well, very cool. Um, all right, so get his last question, and then I think we're gonna we're running out of time here, right, Matt? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, final question: uh, How do you all feel about rule sets that have a, let's say, binary way of dealing with challenges? Either you succeed or you don't, compared to one with more of a sliding scale. Um, you know, and, and 
I think that's pretty clear what he's what he's asking about. And yeah, I mean, they're always terrible. Yeah, there's no other way around. It. There's no shades of gray here. They're always terrible now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> see what I did there. Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't really like that. To be honest, I mean, honestly, I don't really like that idea. I don't think I can't think of. Um, yeah, it's it's just bad in game design. It's bad in scenario design. It's bad. Because even most games, they'll have like even the ones that say you succeed or you don't like they they usually have like four levels of what of a task resolution: critical failure, failure, success, and then critical success. And yeah. so you that gives you at least some lead. So you you have four states to use. Um, so even you know something like Call of Duty and make your skill roll. I mean everything tends to be like oh you either make your check or you don't. But it's pretty easy to justify like how much you fail or what the consequences of that failure are so i think yeah so i don't know if he means like every game ever or like what he means by a sliding scale um well i think i think and you know this is reading into his question i think what he means yeah. by sliding scales exactly the kind of thing that call of cthulhu does that eclipse phase does that you know you have the available and and uh you know, available and, and very clear method of how much you fail and how little you fail or how yeah. much you succeed. You know, it's not just the binary states. Yeah, was- yeah. Clip space is really good with the margin of success. I mean, that's that. I love that. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, I wish. I kind of want to start running like my Call of Cthulhu games with Eclipse Phase kind of house rules of like Moxie and uh, instead of luck and uh, the margin of success rules because that gives like if especially the margin you succeed, but how well do you succeed? So that the, Eclipse Phase is the best skill resolution system and one roll engine too because one roll engine is also very gradiated. You know, you succeed by little or a lot, and how how precise are you? How fast is it? And that kind of thing. So. Uh, yeah, I, I I have to agree there. Um, it, it certainly, you know, the I try to think of a way to to, to say this, but I think you've said it as better than I than I could, honestly. Um, all I can really say is that I completely agree with you. Um, <laughs> even, oh, I was going to say even even in uh, even, even actually in uh, scenario writing, um, it's it's a. Uh, it's 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 good it's good to have that um uh like oh this is this is a little bit of a broader uh, examination of the question but uh say um you know there's some there are some scenarios that, that that you'll see that are some published scenarios that you see that are you fail this check you die yeah um, <laughs> tomb of horrors yeah tomb of horrors uh, mask of nihilothotep is filled with those yeah Yeah, but those are called cultists you know they're 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 (laughs) everywhere in there uh well no they're called hunting horrors i'm sorry um but just just well i mean if you think about like looking look at eclipse phase versus say pathfinder slash dnd third ed like uh even in even in fourth edition you have skill challenges where you have to rack up certain number of successes or certain number of failures but that kind of gives you an idea of like that allows the gm a lot a, a much greater leeway than say third ed where Make this target number or don't. You know, you either succeed or you don't. Um, but you, it, it's up to the GM or the scenario writer to say if you fail by less than five, then you get a minor consequence. If you fail by twenty or more, then oh man, everything is terrible and you're a bad person. <laughs> Suddenly everything's on fire. Yeah. yeah, someone's but, on fire. Thanks a lot. Great diplomacy check there. <laughs> and for sure, uh, and this is just a small point, but you know, it just occurred to me, a sliding scale is a lot easier to improvise. Uh, you know, yeah. if, if if you're expecting somebody to just make a check or if they don't, you know, if somebody fails a spot hidden check in Cthulhu to, you know, 
see the clue, you can say, okay, well, you know, here's what you see that's close enough to the clue to get it. Yeah, I mean, that's why Trail, of course, that was such a big problem that. Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's Trail Cthulhu was written was to alleviate that. And that's resource management slash interpretation. Um, And basically, the real answer to that question is just to not have the potential to fail that check well i mean as a scenario writer it it, it, it's up to you i mean uh, another question is not even getting the game system what you want to accomplish as a game scenario writer like because you you have to the game the challenge is one there is one the the challenge is a character creation do you want to subsidize players that put all their points into useless skills like if you have you know i put all my gun uh, if you just have if you give them all the clues then the players can just put all their points into weapon skills and dodge because like they get the clues regardless so there's that on the other hand the other thing is what do you want to do what what's going to be interesting if they fail you know it could be they get the clue later on after it's you know oh shit we that you know the housekeeper's the serial killer fuck we need to go chase her after you know uh for example so it, it, it's kind of up to the intent of what you want to get across in an individual scenario and how you kind of work within the rule set uh, to make an interesting choices and interesting challenges. And there are different ways of accomplishing this. So uh, I, I don't think, think it's necessarily the universal right way or wrong way. Uh, it's up to, you know, again, what, 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 what are you wanting to get across? Um, like the one, like for example, Caleb was running playtesting the scenario and, um, this nineteen, this horror scenario for Call of Cthulhu, and the way he has it right now is he. I could see him focusing it more as an investigation where we have to figure out this mystery, or it could be more of a dungeon crawl action scenario where it's easier to find out what's happening, but in order to stop it, it's much harder because you'd have to go through this very dangerous area. So it's up to your intent as well uh, as a scenario, you know, slash writer slash GM. So. So as as far as a personal experience goes, uh, a sort of hybridization of the two has been fun to both fun both fun to write and also fun to write, fun to run, fun to play in. Yeah, um, like a, like a situation where um, okay, yeah, you could you you can in theory go find the bad guy and punch him to death, or you can go do some investigation to find out find out about the bad guy, find the bad guy's weakness, or. Yeah. You could do a different type of investigation where you find out how to, how to just convince the bad guy to go away. Yeah, and uh, that's another thing is like it's, it goes back to the care generation. Do you want to like if you have a balanced party, you want to make sure everybody has some spotlight time. So you give the you know the gun bunny you know like cultist to shoot, and then you give the diplomat people to talk to, and then you give the 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 detective clues to find and figure out. So you know, uh, yeah. But if everybody's a gun bunny, then give them a shooting gallery. If everybody's mm. a detective, give them a mystery. You know, if everybody's a diplomat, have a dinner party. You know, it, it's, <laughs> <laughs> or you know, downtown Abbey. Apparently, so yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, well, um, I think that just about covers it. Unless anybody has any last words on the subject of game design, it's fun. Yes, it is. Uh, I would recommend it to people. It's 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 you know it, it, manage your expectations and know what you want to get out of it and what you're willing to put into it. I mean, I think a lot of disappointment comes from people that are trying to write the next Dungeons and Dragons and think they can do it better. But like 
it doesn't really matter even if you make a Dungeons and Dragons. You're never going to beat Dungeons and Dragons. Try and make, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, but with robot butlers and also downtown Abbey. Yeah, well, that's what also... So Dungeons and Dinner Parties, you know, like, <laughs> that would be a fucking great game, and I would love that. Oh, I heard you slew the dragon of... Uh, uh, yes, yes. I heard it was because you were so fat, you just sat on him. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, that... That in no way sounds like, bad being at all. Being asshole to people in a dinner party over dungeon crawling topics would be an amazing game for example and that would be more rewarding to you as the listener you know the potential game designer than trying to like i've got 500 you know rule pages of rules about pole arms and you know ox carts and castle sieges like nobody cares like do dungeons and dun- yeah. dungeons and dinner parties i mean that's that's what that i mean honestly like now i want to see that and so. i mean in all honesty i mean look at the look at the mmo market and think about how many like wow clones that have come out and think about how many of them have beaten wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> true if people want exactly. if people are if you if you make a game that's if you make a game that is like wow people are just going to play wow if you make a game that's like dnd people are just going to play dnd <laughs> Um, yeah, true. yeah um, you might get you might get a few pity players but that's about it you might get your mom your might my mom might yeah. play this game and then you might wonder why your mom plays role-playing <laughs> games yeah uh as far as the final thought on my end goes uh the same uh, when, when it comes to writing an rpg the same thing pretty much applies to especially if you're especially if you're intended to publish same, the same thing applies to you know publishing anything don't be too attached to what you write yeah, it, it, yeah. Ex- expect expect to rewrite the entire book twice uh yeah exactly you you just yeah writing is rewriting i mean that's just in general but there's i mean it's 10 10 of 10 percent of writing is the the original draft 90 percent of it is revision and rewriting yeah that's yeah like you said uh if you if if you're planning to publish expect to expect to um to rewrite the book so often that you hate it well, and I think on the other end, um, on the other end of that, <laughs> but it's still rewarding in the end. I mean, I mean well, and on the and on the so other, still, it's basically because like, you end up getting it done, you put you end, up, you end up putting it out there and everything, and it's still good. But still, you're just going to be really frustrated with by the end. Well, and but and I think on the other end of that, as far as rewriting goes, um, I think the I think the phrase is that but you will never you will never ever ever think it is done personally. Yeah. It will only be the best you can make it after you release it. You will, you, well, that that just applies to game design in general, whether anything. And I, I won't. I am not ashamed to admit that I lifted that line from uh, extra credits. <laughs> well, uh, it's. I mean, it applies to really all, you know, all uh, all texts in general. I mean, it's just as Ross said, uh, books are never really finished; they're abandoned. Yeah, very much. Yeah. Um, well, on that cheery note, <laughs> uh, thanks, Ross, for coming on. Um, and for everybody else that's listening, we're uh, this is either going to be before or after we cover all the rest of the listener responses. So stay tuned. Or don't. Either way, you- goodbye for now. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, you're real swell. <laughs> stay classy. Uh, oh, right. God. Okay. All right.